This podcast is a part of the Podmania Podcasting Network. Check out podmania.co.uk to check out more of our great podcasts, features, reviews, match ratings and previews spanning the crazy and diverse world of professional wrestling. and welcome to the Young Lioncast, your fortnightly audio source of all things New Japan Pro Wrestling, right here on the Podmania Podcasting Network. I am your host, Rob Goodwin, and I am joined, as always, by the John Lennon of the Young Lioncast, Chris O'Brien. How are you, Chris? Does this mean I get to be murdered soon? Uh, well, I hope not. I hope not. Who on earth would do this wonderfully, unofficially official New Japan podcast with me? God. <laughs> once a year for Wrestle Kingdom. <laughs> He's not even here for this Wrestle Kingdom. He's not. He has officially bailed. He Since we've been doing podcasts together, Garth has done Wrestle Kingdom every year with me. And this year, two nights of Wrestle Kingdom was just too much for him. I think he just got that excited that he just blew his load and was done. He's just not used to good wrestling, is he? Well, no, he likes AEW, which isn't that bad, to be fair. It's quite good. NWA Power, which is... It just reminds me of his childhood. <laughs> his adolescence. Yeah, he, he just remembers back then and then remembers Father Christie and he's like, no, I don't want to remember my childhood. Do you know what? I would argue there is absolutely nothing else you need to remember about that time period. <laughs> what, other than wrestling? Yeah. Well, the 80s. Yeah. Um, Bowie was big, but like it was after the Ziggy Stardust face, so like it's not it's not like peak Bowie. Um, Queen, but like Again, we're past Pete Queen at that point. They're releasing Hot Fuzz, and that's a shit album. Um, they were releasing what? Sorry, Hot Fuzz. No, that's a that's a film. But like, it's also a Queen album. I'm sure it's not called Hot Fuzz. It is called Hot. Hang on, I'm googling this right now. Yeah, so am I. Fuzz Queen. All right, maybe it's not called Hot. Fuzz. <laughs> Hang on, <laughs> this album called. It's it, isn't it Hot News or something. No, 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 hang on, hang on. Hot space, fuck what it is. <laughs> Shame about that queen, then. It's just the one queen, actually. Amazing. Amazing. Have you heard about the story about when um, the Sex Pistols and Queen were recording in the same studio? Uh, I think so. I think so. So, so for people who don't know, Johnny Rotten walks in, and he's like, um, oh, you still trying to be ballet to the masses and freddie mercury apparently just stands up says oh go away you oaf and pushes him out the door he's just you will never have a better front man than freddie mercury ever no because like he had it all he, he can fucking make people do the aero thing from fucking grave so he's incredible he is absolutely incredible that man and we miss him dearly However, that was not the way I was going to start this podcast, because believe it or not, Chris, we can't go on our traditional Young Lioncast rants today. And why is that? Because this podcast is probably going to be about four and a half hours as it is. And that is because, ladies and gentlemen, we are on the back of Wrestle Kingdom 14. It's in the books. Two nights of 
early mornings to get up and watch us some New Japan Pro Wrestling and some history-making New Japan Pro Wrestling at that. So, 4th of January, 5th of January, Tokyo Dome. Chris, overall thoughts of the show as a whole? I'm just happy you're watching Stardom now. Um... Fucking amazing. Like, do we ever come out of a wrestling thing and not thinking it's amazing? No. And, you know, you go through every main event and you always feel like you've seen something special. And uh, we'll save, you know, our our reactions for later on. But coming off the back of this, you sent me a message saying you were so hyped for New Japan Pro Wrestling again. And I came out of this, especially night two, and I was so emotionally drained from that main event. I was I don't think I've ever been as invested in a match as I was in that main event of night two of Wrestle Kingdom fourteen. And we'll we'll get to that definitely, but I agree with you, Chris. What a show. I mean, to be fair, I'm gonna be more emotionally invested in the main event of New Beginning in Sapporo. Um <laughs> We will get to that because yes, there have been announcements for the new beginning shows, uh, two in Sapporo and one in Osaka, which we'll be previewing at the end of this podcast, probably quite quickly, again, as this podcast is already going to be about four and a half hours. First thing then, Chris, before we go into the nights, because obviously we'll start with now on, the first thing I want to draw your attention to is the grand total of fans. 70,071 fans in attendance. I have a point to make about this. Do you notice how night one has 10,000 more than night two? You do notice that, and I feel like because of the way New Japan booked and because, you know, night two, you weren't sure and things like that, that that might have been a potential um, stalling point. That's the official reason. Oh, okay, go on then. Arisa wasn't on night two. Is that why you think? No, that is definitely why. Okay, and on whose authority do you have that? <laughs> Dave, Dave Meltzer. <laughs> Dave Meltzer said, no, Arisa, it was shit. <laughs> um, the, the official Wrestle Kingdom 14 breakdown on day one, 40,008 people. Now, just for reference, Wrestle Kingdom 13 last year's Wrestle Kingdom, which of course was main evented by Kenny Omega and Hiroshi Tanahashi, drew 38 1,162 fans while Wrestle Kingdom 12 which of course ultimately had the same main event as Wrestle Kingdom 14 drew 34,995 to draw 40,000 to any wrestling show is absolutely incredible but to then draw a further 30,000 the second night is it's a real feather in the cap for Wrestle Kingdom and for New Japan Oh, yeah, exactly. And they keep getting bigger and bigger each year. Yes, Wonder Wimba Bubble's going to pop, but like, this is literally what I thought was going to be the popping point, but then like, these shows just made me love New Japan again. So. Yeah, absolutely. And let's let's delve into these shows because we'll have things to say about some matches and not necessarily for others. Uh, so the pre-show, of course, of night one, which started, I have a little apology to make. So on the preview show, I said that the stated times were the times that the main card, sorry, the yeah, the main card started. So on night one at 7 a.m., I thought that that was when the 
uh, main card started. It wasn't. That was when the pre-show started. So we all got an extra hour in bed in England on the GMT time schedule. So get um, Excuse in. me, we're not all from fucking England. <clears throat> You're not Scottish, Chris. Nobody thinks... Fucking, I'm legit. I'm actually Scottish. It says it on my fucking provisional license and everything. I'm legit Scottish. <laughs> I have I have a young Scott card. <laughs> Is that a thing? Yeah, no, it gives me discounts on buses. Actually, that's a lie. I don't have it anymore. Cause you're um, not a young Scott. No, I'm an old Scott. Um, no, I just lost it. <laughs> you're such a child. I right, fucking. I don't lose my rail card. I know my ABCs and my one two threes. <laughs> so let's start on the pre-show of night one we started with eight-man tag team action i mean officially we started with the dark match the stardom match with mayo iwatani and arissa your absolute favorite in all the world taking on the team of hanakamura and julia apparently a really really good match got some real heat towards the end obviously we are never going to see that match on New Japan World uh, due to conflicts between the station that houses Stardom and the station that houses Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, whether it is one day, whether it one day surfaces on Stardom TV, I, I don't know. Um, I, I hope it does because, like, Stardom has stuff. Like, whenever their wrestlers go somewhere, they end up putting it up on. Like, we went to Pro Wrestling Eve in London and they put that up. So, like, it's not beyond the realms of possibility. Um, just very quickly comment on things in it. I'm not sold at all on Julia, so apparently she was from, like, Ice Ribbon or something, and ever since getting started, she's just not impressed me at all. I say that, I haven't seen her Hannah match, which is apparently good, but, like, Hannah is not great either. Like, she's more like a look than a wrestler. She's the Roman Reigns of stardom. And so I say that, people actually love her, and to a creepy extent, like a really creepy extent, because she's, like, my age, and people are like, oh, she's the perfect woman. It's weird. Um, and also Arisa and Mayo. Uh, it's funny because it's my stardom favourite and your stardom favourite in a taxi. It is. It is. It's, it's almost like it was just meant to be. Um, going back to your previous point, I did watch uh, the Hannah Kimura and Julia match. And it was good. It was decent. It was a knockout, drag-out brawl. Um, yeah, you don't really get that from, from Hannah. Like, she's normally... She plays a lot of comedy from a lot of the time. And the only time I've really seen her like do drag-outs is in like, the five-star GP and... Um, against B Priestley when she went for the title. So, I mean, I'd, g- I'd I give it if we're going to give if we're going on a Meltzer scale, I'd, I'd give it three and three quarters. I don't think it's quite four stars. Uh, well, yeah. How is could get by the very quickly? How is Kugetsu versus Mayu? Um, I'd give it four. Uh, was it four and a half? I had some issues with the selling, which you know is one of my I, issues. Honestly, I think I think you're just gonna have to shift the style because they don't wrestle like. Other places. <clears throat> yeah, um, suspend the disbelief. It was still a like, really, really good match. You watch Dragon Gate, so like you can get away with some bad selling. <laughs> I'd still give it four and a quarter, touching four and a half. Nice. Um, so yeah, that was the first match with Team Mayu getting the win um, over Team Hannah. First officially televised match was match one, eight-man tag team match with the team of Toa Hanare, Carl Fredericks, Alec Coglin, and Clark Connors, defeating the team of Yota Suji, Yuya Uemura. I always struggle with that name, and I don't know why. Uh, Togi Makabe and Tomoaki Homa at seven minutes and 36 seconds with the Toa bottom. Um, <laughs> that's all it costs. That's genuine. That's genuinely what it's called. Did you not hear it called that on Coventry? No, I was I was still waking up, Rob. Yeah, it's called the Toa Bottom, which... 
I don't know. I'm caught in two minds, really, because it is better than his spear. Um, but it's also got a yeah. terrible, terrible name. But, like, that's not hard. Like, I could throw a better spear. Like, because, like, he picks him up and hugs him to the ground. It's what I do when I spear Manitas. <laughs> um, not a bad match, to be perfectly honest. I haven't got a lot to say. It's your typical young lion match. Again, fairly hard hitting. I love the rivalry between the New Japan Dojo and the LA Dojo. Carl Fredericks continues on his ascent. I uh, cannot wait to see what he is like uh, when he comes back. Is it, just, is it just me or do, like the LA Dojo guys have more personality than the um, New Japan Dojo? Do you think, though, that is a difference between dojos? Yeah, but I say that. Like, Shibata's teaching Aviado Dojo, isn't it? So, like, he's not exactly going to teach you to be emotional. It's Shibata. Well, no, actually, I disagree. Um, on the Dash show, when Coglin opened up, um, he was having a very, very heated exchange, I think, with Hanare. Um, and one of the commentaries, I can't remember who it was, said that, I think it was Chris Charlton, said that Shibata had actually said that Coglin needs to show that anger in the ring and needs to really bring it out in his striking and the way he moves. So actually, it, it actually looks like Shibata is actually condoning and actually trying to bring out that emotion in a couple of his guys. Maybe. Um, <clears throat> to be fair, like also, like we have more impressive moves there, probably because they were like wrestlers before entering the dojo. That certainly helps. Yeah, absolutely. Like, they're doing like fucking deadlifts, um, gut wrenches and shit like that. So like... I don't know, I think it's literally just a case of training. Like, I don't know what their ceiling is. Maybe this is their ceiling, but to be fair, the two young line matches were really enjoyable. So, Yeah, absolutely. I think that's all really we need to say about it. It's nice to see Toa Hanare getting a pinfall victory at a Wrestle Kingdom, even if it's on uh, the pre-show. I think, fingers um, crossed, there are decent things ahead for him, but we'll see. We'll see. I'm it could be a slow burn. Like. Yeah, and I think with announcements post-Wrestle Kingdom and post-New Year Dash, it's... I don't know. I I can see the writing on the wall for Homer. He's... He's he's, he's, he's not long for this world. He's he's certainly not long for the ring. He's He's got a very limited moveset now. I am terrified every time he takes a bump. Uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll it's soon like see. Your, it's like watching your granddad walk up the stairs. <laughs> oh, I... I I feel like I should love Homer. And then watching the match at the new beginning in Sendai against Ishif in 2015, it just makes you realise that it's it's such a loss, and I feel so sorry for him. Um, yeah, but he's getting on, so like it makes sense that he can't really move anymore. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, I gave this five stars out of ten. What did you give it, Chris? Five, yeah. Yeah, completely inoffensive. Really, really good. Uh, match two, then. The final match of Night One's pre-show was a tag team match with Tenkoji defeating Yuji Nagata and Manabu Nakanishi at 5 minutes and 47 seconds with the Lariat. This match, Chris, infinitely better than their World Tag League final day match. Yeah, because fucking they only had to go 5 minutes. Everyone got their shit in. Nakanishi, this ironically was the best I've seen Nakanishi since I started watching New Japan. No, Nakanishi's never been good the whole time I've been watching New Japan. I've been watching a couple of years before you did. And like, here's, every time I talk to like someone who's been watching New Japan from like the mid-2000s when Nakanishi was having his big run, they're like, yeah, he's basically a company guy who got a run. And it's like, that makes sense, because who the fuck else is hiring Nakanishi? Yeah, so it, again, it's nice to get the dads on... Wrestle Kingdom, Chris Charlton again providing excellent, excellent commentary and saying that this is, I believe, 
Yuji Nagata's 24th consecutive Tokyo Dome show. I'm sure that's the number. I will double check, but I'm sure that's the number. In which case, Jesus Christ. Fair enough to him. Fair enough to him. Um, completely inoffensive match. Again, like I said, far, 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 far better than their previous match. I gave it five just because I think it needs to be sort of differentiated from that wrestle that uh, World Tag League match. What did we give a World Tag League match? Uh, four. Ah, uh, see, the, t- the Tag League match from last year, I gave it two. It is historically the worst rated match on the Young Lion, I believe. Uh, you know, in this time I've been doing it, and then fucking Nagani versus Yoshihashi happened, and like, that's worse. <laughs> oh yeah, from the New Japan Cup. Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah they wanted... I'm, I'm sure that match was... Well, that entire tournament was supposed to be seen as, you know, some manner of coming out party for Yoshihashi and sticking in with Manabu Nakanishi in the opening round. I feel like it was a fairly counterproductive. Yeah, it's kind of like trying to teach someone guitar by giving them a piano. Yeah, absolutely. And ironically, Nakanishi moves like a piano. So, he moves you know. like a fucking tree. Actually, I'm pretty sure the trees in Lord of the Rings are more mobile than him. <laughs> Um, we move on then, and we move on to the opening of the show, and we open up with the Jushin Thunder Liger retirement eight-man tag team match with the team of Taguchi, Naoki Sano, Sinjaro Otani, and Takaiwa defeating Jushin Thunder Liger, the Great Sasuke, Tatsumi Fujinami, and Tiger Mask at 8 minutes and 52 seconds with the Dodon. Now, Chris, before we get into anything, the result... And I know it's bizarre to start a review with the result. I am perfectly content with Liger losing in his second match, in his second retirement match on night two. I understand that. It makes booking sense. It makes historical sense. It just makes sense. Why? Oh, fucking why? Did Jushin Thunder Liger lose this match? And not only lose this match, did Taguchi, the ass man whose offense is purely arse-based, why did he, of all people, get the pinball? Honestly, when he hit the dodon, I physically said out loud, don't you fucking dare. Right, so, first of all, um, Kataguchi, if he has it, he should flaunt it. And second of all, he's a young up-and-comer, Rob, we need to, we need to put him over. I disagree. Fucking bull- bullshit. <laughs> okay, let's talk about the positive. Because honestly, like, the result of this match isn't my favourite part. My favourite part is Sana. Because what the fuck? Yeah, um, we talked about on the preview show, Chris, about how we weren't sure, you know, these were all absolutely outstanding in their field when they were, you know, at peak age. Um, Tatsumi Fujinami, just a little bit of a side, side note gain, an absolutely outstanding reception as you know you would hope the man is regal the man is regal um have you ever watched watched a tatsumi fusion that match i haven't he always struck me as like a mini inoki but like i I probably pissed off a lot of people by saying that oh well that's half our subscriber base gone thanks chris (laughs) you dick fucking like it's the black trunks it's like fucking if you don't want it it's sort of like how every time i see kiyotawe i just think baba yeah, yeah, no, no, yeah, fair enough. I can see that. I can see that. Um, but yeah, you're absolutely right. We were slightly worried about how a lot of these men would go. Um, but Jesus, from 
bell one. This match was not what I expected at all. Sano, a suicide dive. Yeah. <laughs> and like fucking um to be fair, he sort of overtook the discourse of the match, quite frankly. Because like we haven't even mentioned how great Sasuke's mask was. Yeah, there was a lot of great um a lot of great Liger tributes during this match. Tiger I, Mask, of course, was half red, half yellow, the red for Liger, obviously. I thought that I was quite a nice of, touch. I kind of love how all the entrance videos was Liger beating the shit out of them. They all had Liger tributes. It was just it was just a shame that we didn't get the actual music that they were using. Obviously, we got oh, the uh, it's dubbed uh, over. This is not the biggest example of it <laughs> on, on both nights. But um, no, I know exactly what you're talking about. Seriously, New Japan, just fucking just Wrestle Kingdom. Don't cheap out. Like, Progress lets people use fucking copyrighted songs to see the strong style. You're fucking thinking of Progress. It, yeah, but I think with it being a huge show, they will probably have a few more complaints from bands as opposed to Progress, who only, you know, a handful of wrestling fans in comparison know about. Yeah, but at the same time, Tyler Bate coming out to Sledgehammer, perfect. But, um, yeah, because, like, the only thing that disappointed, disappointed me about this match was the lack of a Sasuke special. And to be honest, that pissed me off in the All Japan show from the night before as well. <laughs> You're like, well, we did get a Sasuke special, just not from the great oh, Sasuke. Like, we got we got one hell of a fucking Sasuke special. But like, come on, Sasuke, it's your fucking namesake. <laughs> um, I thought Sinjiro Otani was absolutely outstanding as well. Thought he had a really, really good showing. Liger still showed during this match that he can hang with the absolute best. He was head and shoulders, you know, in a better match match quality-wise than we thought it was ever going to be. He was still head and shoulders above those people, and I have no doubt whatsoever that he still had two, even three years left in him, if I'm perfectly honest. Yeah, but I kind of like the story of, oh, he lost to Ishimori, so it's like, well, I said that was going to be my last shot, so I might as well fucking retire now. It's a beautiful story, and it, I understand... I do understand. He's that probably li- still going to be kicking about. Beyond like, he'll be like on commentary, and Kenta will attack him at some point. Can you, Kenta? What a fucking legend! Um, no, I know that, and I know that he'll probably do stuff in the dojo and things like that. I just, and I know that if you know him being an old timer, he will want to go out on his back, you know, so to speak. I just, I don't know. Was Taguchi the person to what do could- this? Who do you have to do? Well, I guess Sana, but... I don't know. I just feel if we're doing the rival thing, was Taguchi the biggest rival that uh, Liger had in this match? I don't really. think they had a... To be honest, I don't even think they had a rivalry. I think they had a couple of matches, which is fair enough, but... Because I don't think Liger and Fujinami had a rivalry, just Fujinami's, like, the first junior champion, so it's like, what happened there? I didn't know he was still alive, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> No, I knew he was in the WWE Hall of Fame, but obviously once he got announced for this match, I thought, oh, bloody hell. Okay, fair enough. He can still move. He Be can. Fair, that's, not, that's, not the, that's not the only, oh shit, I thought he was dead moment of the weekend. But yeah, this is fun. I really enjoyed it. And I know, like, I just, like, as someone who enjoys going back, it's, it's interesting to see what these people look like now. I say that, you can see what half of them look like because they all wear masks. But, you know. No, that is true. And I must admit, I did enjoy uh, the crowd marking out and the commentary team marking out for Fujinami locking in a dragon sleeper. Yeah, but to be fair, like, has anyone ever done it better? Well, this this sort of brings me on to match two in a moment because something someone says just had me in absolute hysterics. It was brilliant. Um, uh, come post-match, everyone, all ten men, 
in the ring with Liger. Liger is hoisted up onto the shoulders of the great Sasuke and Tiger Mask. It's a really, really good, cathartic feeling. The crowd, of course, saying goodbye to Liger on the 4th of January, that really important date, that really historic date in New Japan's calendar. Really, really good send-off for him in this, basically, the ages of Liger tag match is what I was calling it before. Um, I gave it 6 out of 10. I gave it, yeah, my thing, thing if you look at as much fun as I had, if you look at that objectively, it's like, yeah, it's a six. Yeah, absolutely. Like, um, it's a, and it's only a six for that Dan other. <laughs> I think as well it surprised a lot of people with how much these people can still go. It's a, if, I remember someone was going, um, like, on Twitter, every Wrestle Kingdom is a bunch of WWE fans going into New Japan wanting to hate it, so we don't need to admit that they waste their lives. And um, so they go in and start you know, they start picking apart at every little thing. We're like, oh, do they always just open well the dads? I'm like, well, yes, but like in this case for the reason. Yeah, and all all of the Liger interactions over this three-day extravaganza of New Japan Pro Wrestling, I, it, there was a lump in my throat. There was, you know, there was a tear in my eye. It's a, it was a really, really, it was a beautiful way to send off a person who has been so pivotal to pro wrestling in general, not just New Japan. I just thought it was what an absolutely amazing way to send him off, and I can't think of any better way to do it, and this was a great match. It was far better than I thought it was going to be, so yeah, excellent. Well done, New Japan. We move on then to the second match on the main card. Um, Suzuki-Goon in an eight-man tag team match with the team of, sorry, Minoru Suzuki, Zack Sabre Jr., Taichi, and El Desperado defeating Los Nobles de Japón the team of Bushi, Evil, Sonada, and Shingo at 8 minutes 39 seconds with the Jim's arm breaker. Sorry, the Jim's break arm bar. This was pointless, had no storyline advancement whatsoever, and the best thing about this was once Zack Sabre Jr. had tapped out Bushi with the Jim's break arm, uh, arm bar and refused to release it, um, Sonada came in and attempted to put him in the um, the... Skull End, Zack Sabre Jr. rolled out of the ring and said, that's an abomination with Fujinami here as well. How dare you? <laughs> Outstanding. Outstanding. It's the moment of the match. Absolute moment of the match. But otherwise, just... Right, yeah. Yeah. It's a, match. it's a roti match. It was It was literally as middle of the road as you can possibly get. I mean, you shouldn't go through a pumping bomber. That's always fun. But, like, again, not the best example that we got this weekend. So. No, exactly. This wasn't even the best Shingo match of the weekend, for God's sake. So, yeah. Well, to be fair, it's probably the worst Shingo match of the week. Well, yeah, probably. Um, yeah, just, uh, I don't know. It was, it was good. It was solid. But, yeah, I, I don't feel like I can give it more than five stars because there was just, there was nothing there. It was setting up Sonata and Zack Sabre Jr. for night two. Have you noticed that Mio Abe very quickly has been missing in action? What the fuck has she done? Yeah, you'd think that they would be they would be sort of flaunting her with Tai Chi on the biggest show. You know, she's a big part of Tai Chi's character. Um, I did realise as well that uh, they came out to Zack Sabre Jr.'s music instead of Minoru Suzuki. And yeah. I, I thought, that's it. Nailed on Suzuki's leaving. They're turning on him. And nothing, absolutely nothing. And obviously that will become clearer as to why later on in the show. Um, second 
consecutive pointless eight-man tag, and this, in my opinion, was worse, and we'll get into that in a minute. Wait, it wasn't, though. It was. Uh, eight-man tag team match with the chaos team of Hiroki Goto, Tomohiro Ishii, Yoshihashi, and Toriyano, defeating the Bullet Club team of Kenta, Bad Luck Farley, Chase Owinge, and Yujiro Takahashi at eight minutes and 17 seconds with the GTR. Now, Chris, search your soul, okay? As Brian Adams would say, search your heart, search, you, search your soul. You know it to be true, my friend. Tomohiro Ishii, managing, so managing to suplex Bad Luck Farley, as impressive a feat as that is, an incredible feat as that is, and as big a pop as it got, okay, this was crap. This was a road to match. Even the heat between Kenta and Goto, there was was more in the Suzuki-Goon LIJ match, in the previous match than there was to this. I agree that spot was great. I cannot give it more than four stars just because Ishii managed to hit a suplex on Bad Luck Farley. You've got a ma- you've got a team where you've got Kenta, who, don't get me wrong, considering, you know, just over a year ago, he was being shat on in the WWE, riddled with injuries. You know, he'd had 30 or 40 matches on 205 Live or something ridiculous. Already had more than that in New Japan. Even though they had him on that team, you've still got on that team. Bad Luck Farley and Yujiro Takahashi. Yujiro Takahashi has two moves. He has a sliding drop kick and a kick to the gut. Those are his two moves. If you've got Bad Luck Farley and a man with two moves, that's not a good match. Even Chase Owens was boring in this match. And I love Chase Owens. This was not a Wrestle Kingdom match at all. I, I I thought it was fun. We got some Yano bollocks. My one favorite Yano bit was him slapping, and it was a proper good slap on Bad Luck Farley's head. Oh, just because he's bald, it went. It made a proper good. It's like a fucking shotgun. It just, yeah. I mean, probably the biggest takeaway of this was the fact that Yoshihashi got his first win at the Tokyo Dome in his ninth attempt, and he didn't even get the fucking pinfall. It was it was dull as balls. The, I must admit, I will say this: this weekend, Goto has looked like an absolute fucking boss. Oh yeah, Goto's been like the biggest bad. Can you believe? I know he always pulls it out of the bag for Wrestle Kingdom. That's by the by. But can you believe how, considering this was a man that we slagged off repeatedly through 2018, can you believe how much he's turned it around? Here's the thing. Point where I started to not like Goto is when he kept winning back the championship, so he just started suffocating the scene. Yeah, no. So fair he's enough. been away from he's been away from it for a year. So like I'm sort of like okay, I'll be the relatively fresh now, and Elgin's gone. So yeah, even so, and also he did my boy Tai Chi quite dirty. He did, he did. I mean, it was really cool when he pinned Yujiro with I said Yujiro really weirdly then Yujiro. When he pinned Takahashi with the GTR, but he looked at Kenta the entire time. That was that was pretty badass. But they just look and then they're like, uh, what do you say? <laughs> just keeps restarting on every camera angle. Yeah. It just goes black and white. <laughs> and fucking um Imogen Heat is just playing and it's like perfect. 
but no, in my opinion, this this has to be four because it was worse than the previous match. And, you know, I've just said that the, one of the most memorable spots was a slap on the head. Think that. Think of that, Chris. I mean, like, if someone slapped, you'd probably remember it. It's Farley, mate. He can't move. <laughs> it was, this, <laughs> this was it's, so the piss break match. You know what would be quite funny if someone slapped Farley and then slow motion starts running away because Farley can't chase him? <laughs> um, even so, four stars. Um, I don't feel like we should give that match any more thoughts. It will be, unfortunately, relegated to the annals of time with absolutely no one remembering anything about it, unfortunately. We move then to the next match on the card. And this was the IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team Championships match, the first championship match of night one. And this is where the action really picked up for me. Um, we had Finn Juice defeating the champions, the Gorillas of Destiny, at 13.25 with the acid drop. <sighs> I know I've just said this is where the action sort of picked up. Um, it was it was a good match. Um it lacked, it just lacked a little bit of something. Now, obviously, you had the attack right at the start with G.O.D. laying out Juice, who took a fucking nasty bump on that ramp to start it off, especially as he was fighting on night, too. I'm surprised he took that bump. Yeah, and he had to stay at the YMCA, which wouldn't have helped the fact. Jesus Christ! <laughs> what <laughs> the fuck? I mean... Oh my god. <laughs> I mean, we we can't make a sweeping statement and say that that is the worst get up in in history because never forget that Goto came out in a shirt that said the G and G1 is for Goto. I miss that shirt now. I miss that shirt. I I saw someone put it on Twitter not so long ago and uh, they said was this really a fucking shirt and I retweeted it cuz it's abs- it's just it's the best wrestling shirt ever just <laughs> really cheaply made I mean, the like, G the and one... G1 is for Goto like the only one that can think of better is the AJ Styles one that looks like someone fucking spunk on the shirt oh yeah the TNA one yeah and then the Sin Cara penis t-shirt i remember the Sin Cara penis t-shirt to, to be fair there's a lot of them like it's apparently it's very easy to accidentally make a penis like the Little Mermaid um, VHS cover. They're all penises. Do you know what? I don't think... I, no, <laughs> I don't think that it's easy to draw penises. I just think we're in a society now where everything is such a double, you know, a double entendre that everyone just sees them. Maybe. <laughs> we're a bunch of degenerates is what you say. Oh, absolutely. This generation is such a generation of degenerates. Um, I mean, we're in, diff- we're in different generations, Rob. You keep telling yourself that, son. No, I, I fucking... Literally, you're fucking a millennial and I'm Gen Z. You have no idea how much I want to slap you. Proper be, Yano and Farley style. To be, to be completely fair, um, my friend Jen was like, oh, you know, it's like for us millennials. I'm like, I'm actually too young to be a millennial. And she's like, that's the worst thing you've ever said to me. It is, mate. It, I've no, you have no idea how much I want to knee you in the nads. You want to do that when I just mentioned Tai Chi. That is true. Um, For me, aside from that bump, and I think they did the right thing in highlighting Finley as sort of the star in this match, which they did. I don't know whether it's... I don't know whether it's because I'm sort of down on the Gorillas of Destiny at the moment. Their run with the titles has been relatively uninspired. Um, I don't know whether it's because I just I really really liked 
the Finley Juice Evelyn Sonata match from the World Tag League final, and this just wasn't on that level. There just didn't seem, considering this was a championship match, for me, there didn't seem to be a lot of heat going into it. With that being said, there was nothing wrong with this match, and there were some great spots. I don't know. What did you think? I love the Gorillas of Destiny theme. <laughs> that Gorillas of Destiny theme is fire. It's fucking amazing. It's, I'm trying to think if it's in the like, top. It's probably in my top five New Japan themes. Um, Evils is a banger. Uh, Evils isn't better than God either. Um, in terms of what's better than God, I think it is Osprey. Osprey's is a decent one, yeah. Um, fucking what's his face? Um, Suzuki, obviously. Obviously, number one. L- um, Liger. Well, yeah, but that's, that's not really indoor anymore. <laughs> Dickhead! <laughs> Why would you say that? Um, well... I'm a mark, th- I'm a mark for Bushis, mate. Bushis is a banger as well. Bushis is fine. Um, Ibushis is great. Um, go Ace. Right. What the fuck is that remix? Well, got to, how about we go on to that when you go on to night two? Because there's a rank coming with that. Yeah. Anyway, here... In my body. Yeah, um, like, the best part of this was the Gorillas of Destiny. Also, like, how they, like, shoot the Gorillas of Destiny coming down the ramp always makes them look much cooler than they are. Like, do you remember, like, especially, like, Dominion and Rue coming down the ramp? I'm like, oh, shit, these guys are legit. And then the match happened. But, um... that That's the story of Gorillas of Destiny's year, in my opinion. Well, like, but it's like, oh yeah, Gorillas Destiny are really good. Wait, no, no, they're not. Um, I'm trying to think of like the most memorable Gorillas matches. It's probably Wrestle Kingdom 10. But, no, Wrestle Kingdom 11 for obvious reasons. Karina. <laughs> ah, fuck you! I hate you, motherfucker. Um, and the Bucks. But like, if you're not having a good match with Bucks, who the fuck are you? That match at Royal Quest with Aussie Open was decent. Yeah, but also, like, that's all on Aussie Open, really, isn't it? Oh, yeah, 100%. But <laughs> And also, like, a hot UK crowd. Um, to be fair, I'd say this is better than the um, Aussie Open match, in my opinion. It was, it was still a good match. It was still a good match. I don't know. I just I wanted it to have more heat than it, it did. I love the fact that David Finley was the man who got the pinfall over um, Tangaloa. I thought he was great. He hit him with the acid drop. I gave it seven stars. I gave it seven too. I really enjoyed it. Um, it's first. Ha- it's when I properly first um, woke up. Um, finally. Oh god. <laughs> Sorry, just smack. I was eating cheese. Can't take you anywhere, Rob. Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm just glad Tamatonga is not doing solo stuff anymore. The only thing is now. I mean, we'll talk about some teams later on that have become heavyweight tag teams where do the Gorillas of Destiny go from here are we just going to have multi-mans now until they you know inevitably get the belts back they're just going to be bullet club heavy tag team so like they'll get a shot every once in a while yeah I I never ever want to see another Tango lower singles match and I think Tamatonga is you know I think it's fairly obvious that we're not going to see another singles match with him in it now I could have done Tango Lowe better when he was the matcher. Yeah, imagine imagine saying you were better in the WWE. Oh Jesus yeah, that's Christ. That's very rare, but like he, he like in um when I had the dude from um Irish Whip on for an NXT review, 
he was he really he really enjoyed the Adam Rose Camacho match. In like an ironic way. He attempted to give it an eight, Ross. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Did 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 he understand the rating system? Well, he's, I don't think he's simple, Robert. I, think he's just, <laughs> I just think he really likes um, Adam Rose. Not to be fair, I used to love Adam. He like back in two K fifteen, he was my IC champion. So this is before I discovered good wrestling. Jesus Christ. Anyway, moving on. Next championship match, we had the IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship Texas Death Match with the returning John Moxley defeating the champion Lance Archer at 14 minutes and 26 seconds via knockout. A really, really good match, Chris. Yeah, first of all, Archer's theme's finally been remixed to be less jarring when it gets into everybody's eyes. <laughs> yes, it has. It's... I, I don't that know lot. whether it was just the mix, but it it seemed like, far better. That no, like it, it flowed. Like honestly, the only way you could have had it be fucking more jarring when it goes into everybody dies bit if it was like a fucking Bob Dylan song. Like, like it comes with like how many roads must a man walk down? Everybody, it'd be like that. Can we just quickly make a point? <laughs> <laughs> What do you think my point's going to be? Is it going to be I should stop singing on this podcast? Yes, absolutely. No, seriously. Oh. Lance Archer is 42 years old. Oh, fuck, really? He's 42 years old, wait, and is two years removed from breaking his back. Ugh. Okay. In this match, he was diving over the ropes onto the He's floor. Undertaker, basically. He was choke slamming people. He was taking bumps through tables on the outside. And he is 42 years old and two years removed from breaking his back. This man has had an absolutely amazing year. I remember texting you during this, and I never thought I'd be saying this at any point, but like, Lance Archer is fucking bumping circles around John Moxley. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, to be honest, I again, I was always a little bit concerned about how these two uh, making it a Texas death match. I wasn't sure if it was going to be a little bit too. I worried it was going to be Kenny Omega, John Moxley from Full Gear, basically, where also, it I, got I a little bit gimmicky. Not, I um, I commend us for not saying John Moxley yet, but um, yeah. This is really fun, really good plunder. Like you don't, this is not what you normally get on a. I'm trying to think of a last time we got something like this on a Wrestle Kingdom. Probably like, ooh, I can't think. We don't normally get shit like this. Which is, again, I, I say this every time the IWGP US title was defended, but I like how it has that American beach now. No, I agree. Um, and I'm glad we didn't go to. Despite the label of this match, despite the fact that it was called a Texas death match, and aside from the fact that, you know, Lance Archer tried to legit suffocate Moxley with a plastic fucking bag over his head. Yeah, like fucking, to be fair, I'm trying to think what's worse, that or Killer Cross trying to walk, um, not trying to feeding and waterboarding the Sandman. <laughs> yeah, that is, that's, that's not great. That's not great at all. Um, I don't know, I. <laughs> I really, really enjoyed this match, and it it was similar. I was really looking forward to the Kenny Omega and John Moxley match from Full Gear, 
And I really that enjoyed got, that. I seem to be in a minority. It went too long, and it used... it. We had too much gimmicked weaponry, whereas this, the, we- use, the use of weapons felt organic. At no point did it feel stupidly gimmicky. Um, it only lasted 14 minutes, and it didn't lose momentum and steam whilst he was setting up weapons. We had Moxley going through chairs after Archer hit him with the blackout. We had um, tables being used. We we had the basics being used. At no point did it descend into being stupid. And I thought that was the great... And it was the first, you know, like, really... It was a really good match of this show. The biggest surprise, surprise about this was the fact that Japanese tables actually broke. And Jesus, did they break. Did you see the state of Lance Archer's arm afterwards? Yeah, yeah, like, Jesus. <laughs> massive gash in it, massive, massive gash. I kind of feel sorry for Archer, but, like, clearly the plan was always for Moxley and Jeez to have a blow-off. So, like, this is, like, a roundabout way to get it. But, like, if they really wanted to do that, we should have just put it on Jeez. But then again, I guess there's no, like, natural program for Jeez. So, like, I don't know, it, it felt like a very roundabout way to get to where we ended up. I have a question. Do yeah. you think... John Moxley was the correct choice to win this match. I know what you're going to bring up. You're going to bring the fact that he can't um, defend it in America. But also... Jesus had too many failed runs with the title. And it's not his fault. We took him awfully when he had it. But like, it's sort of like how it's not Fantastic Four's fault that it only has shit movies made about it, so it can't be a movie franchise anymore. It's kind of like that. Do you and think like, then? I'm not being funny. John, John Moxley versus Juice is a bigger draw than Archer versus Juice, and also is a better prospect. Well, in that case, don't make it Juice on night two. We talked about in the preview how we couldn't understand why there were some wrestlers who were wrestling twice on both nights. Why not have, as you've already stated, we had loads of people not on the card, or we had loads of people in ridiculous multi-man tags. Have the New Japan Rumble and have that person who wins that Rumble put them in an IWGP United States Championship match on night two. I guess, at the same time, you need to get... Maybe that was the plan, but you need to get the championship back on Moxley. Because well, you're not going to put Moxley in the Rumble, are you? That's fine. I don't... No, I don't mind that. Still have this match on night one. Still have Moxley versus Lantarch on night one. That's fine. Good match. Really enjoyed it. I gave it eight stars. What I mean is, on night two, then, instead of just giving juice another shot at it, that spot should have been filled by the person who won the New Japan Rumble. Say, a Shingo. Say, an Evil. Say, a Kojima. Say, a Naganishi. But do you see what I mean? If it's it's on the pre-show, we could have had a Risa. We could have had a Risa, yeah. Mayu, oh my god! To be fair, (laughs) I do not want to see fucking Mayu step in the ring. Like, I imagine she's got this crumble. To be perfectly it, honest, the way Mayu sells, there's a chance she would legitimately break oh, in half. I, I fucking love how she throws a super kick, because like, Marafuji used to do this as well, when throws a super kick and then sort of, like, just sort of falls and rolls out of it. Like, they just, to be fair, Mayu puts her fucking neck through the ringer, like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, like, she really does. She really like, does. Like, we did, we did not want, need to see her against Moxley or Archer. I say that, I do now, and I'm going to do it in Fire Pro later. But... <laughs> Really good match. 
I gave it eight stars. What did you give it, Chris? I also gave it eight. It was like just really the, like the first great match on this show. Then this was followed by <laughs> Holy Shit, the musical. Well, we should first say that um, Garth doesn't like this match very much. <laughs> this isn't Garth's style, and he's never once said that his this was his style. Um, it was more a case of... <sighs> no, he, he prefers um, Terry Gordy versus um, Rollerball Rocco and Sportatorium. However, he did really like the main event of night one, so we will give him that at least. Um, yeah. Anyway. Um, he has something. But yeah, no, this match was fucking insane. It was. It was both insane from the... You haven't said wait, it's Takahashi versus Osprey. And it was like... It's insane from both A, they kept landing on their fucking heads, and B, they kept doing really insane... Like, this is something Jim Cornette had nightmares about. Yeah. The IWGP oh. Junior Heavyweight Championship match, Hiromu Takahashi, the returning Hiromu Takahashi, even though we had a couple of matches on the road to Tokyo Dome, but we don't talk about that, defeated Will Ospreay, the champion, at 24 minutes and 32 seconds with, and it has been officially named, in typical boring Hiromu style, the Time Bomb 2. Time Bomb 2. <laughs> to be fair, I... I... To be fair, like, he should not be allowed to name his own shit anymore after the D. After the D. The shenanigans with the D. That was brilliant. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, yeah, it's called the V. Oh, no. I mean, this was just... Just unreal levels. Un... I, I can't think of a better junior... Like, this is better than the Shingo match. <sighs> Ooh. I can't say Ooh. that. I can't say that because for me, they are two different matches. Shingo yeah, is not going to fight in the same way Takahashi is. The Ishimori Takahashi match is probably a better comparison then. Or the um, Brilliant Rouse also very different because, you know, Takahashi didn't fall down the stairs in this match. Okay, well, let's uh, say this is better than Takahashi versus Kushida. Yeah, um, but again, like, Kushida's very different from Osprey. Is this better than their Dominion match? Yeah, no, this is the best Osprey Takahashi match um, they've had. Yeah, they've um, had. At le- I know they've had at least three because obviously they had one at the new beginning in Sapporo. Yeah, two years then, ago, three years ago. Yeah, it was, it was like 2017, so three years ago. Jesus Christ! Um, it's better than any Dragon Lee Takahashi match, which is hard to imagine. It's better than the Dragon Lee Osprey match. This is probably the best comparison we can make. Honestly, just an absolutely baffling display of pro wrestling. You'd got right. spot after spot after spot. After, and trying to list the spots would be ridiculous because almost every move was a ridiculous spot. Um, I know Chris is going to go into the big to- the big moments of the match, I'm sure, but there was one match where they were literally innovating stuff during the match. Kevin Kelly called something as a made in Japan, and Will Ospreay's come out on Twitter and say it wasn't quite a made in Japan. It was basically some kind of Australian cradle slam. And it just it's unbelievable. You look at it and just go, the, the, choreo- the choreography of trying not to break Hiromu's neck again, and the fact that Osprey throughout this match was clearly targeting Hiromu's neck, and the yeah, fact that. Uh- he was on. There was a point where um, Osprey narrowly missed the drop kick, and everyone was like, "Well, match ruined." I'm like, "Jesus Christ!" I mean, like, it's amazing. It really is amazing. Um, so very quickly, I, I needed like I know it's like the main part of this match, but Jesus. So like, Osprey goes for a Sasuke special, 
gets caught by Hiromi. German suplex. And honestly, if a German suplex had landed, that would still have been amazing. But Osprey flips out of the German suplex, goes and, uh, and Takahashi tries to throw her back um, into the ring. Which again would have been amazing, but nobody <laughs> Osprey has cleared in and did the Tasuke fashion. I was just there going, <laughs> what the fuck just happened? <laughs> like, I was just fucking laughing. Like, I didn't know what the fuck to think. Like, you know the first, when, like, you're a child and the first time, like, you see, I don't know, a monkey eat a frog or something. It's like, what the fuck did I just see? You went for monkey eating a frog. I can, I can, I, I, I panicked, Rob. <laughs> have you not seen a, have you not seen a monkey eat a frog? It was a viral video. Well, I've never seen a monkey eat a frog. Anyway, anyway, this, <laughs> just, I don't really know how to come back from that. Um, this was baffling and Hiromu eventually hitting the time bomb and um Osprey kicking out it was like what the fuck and then Takahashi unfills this absolutely ridiculous new finish that he hadn't yet got a name for slams Osprey down on his neck you immediately think well that's it he dead and gets the title back and the dome loses its shit and Rightly so. What a fucking match. This move is like the mix of like a bloody Sunday, an emerald explosion, if if Masawa hated people's necks more than he already did. It was just I just I I loved this match and I always I go back to that Wrestle Kingdom thirteen match between Kushida and Taiji Shimori and how I I said in the lead up to that, this is my sleeper match match of the night and it really disappointed me i know it didn't disappoint everyone but me personally it really disappointed and i had that slight nag even though osprey has undoubtedly been our wrestler of the year this year he's had a year like no other in my opinion just his consistency and i i just had that little niggling doubt like i really really hope they don't they don't basically fuck up and it's shit and it wasn't holy shit absolutely amazing match i mean the time flew by they gave it time they gave it a story osprey being this arrogant cocky cunt and just absolutely just reveling in it as well because he knew he wasn't going to come into this match as a face with hiromu yeah. coming back it's, it's actually quite entertaining for me like as a progress fan watching people go i didn't know osprey could work here i'm like fuck he really can. He managed to make people cheer Jimmy Havoc. That's how good a heel, um, a heel Osprey is. <laughs> but even like the little stuff, like the the lying on the turn, the ropes. Just I know that most people do that. Tyler Breeze does that for God's sake. But even so, just it, it really, really helped me get invested in a match I was already, you know, balls out for. It was a great. I mean, ten stars, man. Ten stars. Oh, fucking yeah. I don't know if you can call it anything unless you get asked in which case it's seven. But <laughs> well, yeah, is, which is just this wrong. Is a, this is a call out. Like, like Colin Gaff out for two things: one, that, and two. I put up a p- picture of me in makeup, and he didn't compliment me. Neither did you, Rob. You cunt. But um, yeah, I love this match. You looked beautiful. I did. I looked fucking iconic. <laughs> we move on then. Main semi main event: the IWGP Intercontinental Championship match with Tetsuya Naito defeating the champion Switchblade Jay White at 33 minutes and 54 seconds, hitting him with the Destino. Now, Chris, I have seen online quite a lot of not negative comments about this match, but 
still people thinking that it went too long and it was boring. Now uh, I have a um, rebuttal to that. You're a fucking idiot if you think that. Okay. Um, so literally, with JY, like people, there's people. These are the same people going, "Oh, there's no good heels nowadays," and like JY is literally like an amazing heel because he puts on great. Like this match had what um, the previous two white knight matches were missing, and that was intensity. Like, I, you felt how desperate Naito was in this match, where you didn't quite feel it in the G1, and you definitely didn't fe- feel it in um, Destruction. So, like, this match literally fixed all the holes. And it's people just being annoyed that it's not fucking Okada versus Ibushi when Jay White doesn't wrestle like that. Jay White wrestles clever. Like, for example, I know he's done it before, but the sitting down when Naito goes for Destina. I agree. I agree. I love this match, by the way. Oh, we both, like, people need to stop waiting for someone to tell them that Jay White is special, because he's just fucking special. He's something so incredibly different, and I think the placement was never going to help this match, because you've got it in between the absolute car crash that was Hiromu versus Will Ospreay, and then you've got an all-time great match, spoiler, in the main event. And yeah, I completely agree with you, Chris, because I know what you're going to say. I completely agree. Jay White is a completely different type of wrestler. He tells a completely different story. He is an organic heel that people want to see lose. And that heel attitude, that having Gado interfere, and I will say that that did spoil it a little bit for me at night too but we'll get on to that i thought it was done beautifully here because people could not see naito lose again and to jay white of all people jay white who has made the last half of this year unbearable for naito to the point where naito has had to change his entire outlook from tranquilo to beat this cunt and the match itself it built and it built and it built and honestly even though anyone who's watched New Japan sort of had that inclination that Naito was going to go all the way, you still, when Knight, when JY goes for the Blade Runner, you still think, don't you fucking dare, oh my god, you still pop up. When Naito kicks out, you still pop up and go, oh, thank fucking Christ. You know what got me in this match was that backdrop over the rope onto the... Um, like the backdrop driver over the rope onto... The apron, I was like, "Oh fuck!" Well, Naito's dead. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And in fact, can can we just say that um, Jay White has the best backdrop driver in New Japan right now? Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah. Can we also say that Naito, who was on form for both nights here, as you would really hope he would be, the selling and the working from Jay White again, the working of Jay White on one limb, targeting that limb, and it playing a part in the match. Jay White was relentless in fucking with Naito's knee, and Naito sold it. Oh my god, the selling. You were convinced that that man was in fucking agony. I have not seen a bet. Naito sells that knee all the time, right? It's just what Naito does. I've never seen him sell it better. No, and I agree. It was... I mean, I'm... I've looked at Voices of Wrestling, they've given it three and three quarter stars. I know that Grapple have given it something similar. And I know Vo- Voices of Wrestling fucking have smelt a lot of the time. <laughs> Please don't call out the Voices of Wrestling. They're bigger than us. They'll squash us. Fucking right. They're not probably like they're listening. And if you are, you fucking smell you gave fucking Chris Brooks with Xenia Dragon off two stars. Fuck off. But uh um... Oh, you're such a progress, Mark. <laughs> 
Oh, your sort of progress market hurts. That could have been WXW for all you know. Um, it wasn't. You don't watch WXW. You watch Progress, Stardom, and New Japan. And all Japan now. Fuck. Um, <laughs> Sorry, mate. Uh, um, but yeah, no. This match, like, it wasn't the fucking knockout. Um, well, I say knockout, drag out. That's what this was. It was like I saw people call it a Randy Orton special, and like I don't think we quite get what Randy Orton special is because Naito didn't spend this match in a headlock. For no reason, like every, <laughs> like Jay White is not someone who does who wastes movement. Every movement from Jay White means something, and like he is someone who holds up. And I know, like most people, don't want to go back and watch Jay White matches. He holds up so beautifully to a rewatch. Like you, you, if you like rewatch like a Jay White match, going, I'm going to look for all these li- little things he does. You feel smarter as a wrestling fan. If you don't go into it assuming that you are going to get the Kenny Omega Kota Ibushi five star event, and you actually take the time to look at what Jay White's doing, to actually read the story of the match, to you know, to really embrace it and delve into it and really invest in who basically whoever's taking on Jay White, it makes the match so much better. I mean, I don't care if I come across as mark, I gave it ten. I gave it ten as well. Because I, it's like this weekend really helped me figure out what's so good about Jay White. He takes like the standard like New Japan Tanahashi following us, but fucks with the cadence of it all. So like you still get like a New Japan match, but like the cadence has been changed. It's of like a weird cover of a song. If you get the meaning, like yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a Tanahashi match where like a limb's being targeted, but like it's he fucks with it and he fucks with it beautifully, and he uses everything that he has to his advantage and. Again, people need to stop just going into a J. Because honestly, I've kind of blown Kenny Omega for this. Because like people just see a guy who's in a New Japan and think they're going to act like Kenny Omega, and they're not. Jay, that's not what Jay White is. No. Like these are the, a lot of people who criticize Jay, Jay White are the same people who look at Shayna Baszler and go, "Well, it's not all about the in-ring work." Whereas Jay White's delivering the in-ring work while also doing the same shit. Shit, like it's just perfect. And honestly, like this is I've never. I didn't think this is literally in like the top five night or matches, probably. You've got to remember as well, the Bullet Club are a heel faction. They're not a cool faction. They are supposed to no, be that's, heels. That's the thing. That's enough because like most people came into a lot of people came in around like um, end of Styles, beginning of Omega, and whereas you and you came in wrestling with Eleven, which I think a lot of people did, and they just see the Bullet Club as like, oh, it's this cool thing, too sweet, bro, and I'm sort of like. That's Ring of Honor Bullet Club. That's not New Japan Bullet Club. New Japan Bullet Club are dicks, and they've sort of got back to that with Jay White no, and Kenta. And like, I get they're probably selling last shirts, but I don't give a fuck, quite frankly. Yeah, I was just going to say I'm not in it to know how much merch there's on in a minute because I want to invest in the product, and I think that helps it certainly. I I, know, I understand where people are coming from. I know that people might not might not enjoy. The switchblade. I mean, Jay White is not for everyone. I understand that. I fully understand that. And to be honest, you know, you're not wrong in not liking Jay White. There are wrestlers that loads of people like that I'm not a massive fan of. But for me personally, and I know for you as well, Chris, the way Jay White tells a story and the way he builds up the person he's with, I think is brilliant. Did this match go a little bit too long? Maybe, maybe five minutes too long. But I'm sorry, I just I was so invested in this match and I loved it. So ten stars from us and yeah, potentially quite a 
divisive opinion, but I don't care. So we get to the main event, and this is something that is not divisive. Uh, the IWGP Heavyweight Championship match. Kazuchika Okada, the champion, defeating Kota Ibushi at 39 minutes and 10 seconds with a Rainmaker. Now, Chris, first thing to ask, once Kazuchika Okada came out in brand new gear, gear that glowed in the fucking dark, did Ibushi ever stand a chance? No. Which to be fair, because like it's a shame, because like, again, Abushi's theme gets you so hyped. It does. It it does. Like, like it's you... such a baby. It's like the most babyface theme this side of Johnny Gargano. But um, at the same time, like Okada, like Okada strikes me a lot of the time not quite like New Year Dash sort of fixed this, but like not like as a person, more like a threat. Like he's a threat to your prolonged career. Yeah, it's like sort of in the same way. Like well, like I can imagine. Okada's more an obstacle than a human being, and he's a very hard obstacle, and he makes a lot of people hard. Um, but <laughs> no, like, what do you think of the new gear? I know you're not keen on it, are you? <sighs> it's the short shots. See, I think he looked, he looked incredible. He looked majestic. Does, I, I love the entrance attire. It's the shorts. Like if you had the same thing, but like his normal length shorts, that's probably fine. Um, because like quite frankly, I'm not being funny. Tiny Chi has the is the only person pulling off short shorts right now. Oh, don't be ridiculous. They're so short though. They're just un- they are unnecessarily short. <laughs> That's the point. <clears throat> anyway, um, this match absolutely flew by, and before before I noticed, we were like 25 minutes in, and I was like, where the fuck has that come from? I mean, let's. Let's be very, very clear here. Okada was a dick to Ibushi throughout this, constantly basically belittling him and saying, you're not on my level. You're nowhere near me, mate. Come on, let's let's try and build it up a level. And Ibushi gives him everything, nothing. And eventually, Okada fucks up. Oh, yeah, fucking Psycho Ibushi. There's only been, before this night, I can only think of two people who brought that out of him. That's Tana, because Tanahashi was deliberately trying to do that, and I think Nakamura managed it. But like, not many people like when Psycho Ibushi comes out, you're fucking, you've been fucking with him quite a lot. I mean, we got a point where Okada slaps Ibushi. This is after, by the way, Ibushi tries to go for a Hurricane Rana and lands on his own fucking neck. Ah, oh, Jesus Christ! Why Ibushi? Why must you be so Ibushi about everything? Stop. You can someone just put like Mayo, both Mayo Otani and Abushi in like a padded cell? Just honestly, just put them in a neck brace when they're not wrestling. Jesus, it happened, and then they replayed it. I was like, "What are you doing, Abushi? You crazy, ma- sexy man, you!" Um, <laughs> he is a gorgeous man, and he fucking hell. He uh, no, that's the thing. But as soon as he goes psycho, he's suddenly not very attractive, and it's sort of like. That's incredible. It's it's not that he's not... Honestly, Okada slaps him, and basically, Ibushi does that wonderful thing where he just... He's, it was Terminator-style. Turns his head back round and makes eye contact with Okada, and there is not a single emotion the, in his face. It's the face Garth makes when I say, okay, boomer to him. <laughs> anyway, Ibushi fucking lays out Okada. Okada is on the floor, oh, covering up. He fucking shoots. He fucking Liger Suzuki shoots. Now, in the G1, 
Kenta slaps the shit out of Okada, and it was gift, and everyone's like, holy shit, what the fuck is doing? And that was stiff. This was something else. Those punches, and they were closed fist punches. Yeah. Oh it my was... god, they it was uncomfortable. That's thing, though, like, Ibushi hit him really hard, but in safe places. With, with the exception, I think, one got him in the head. Yeah, he was punching the shoulder, but even so, if you suspend that disbelief for a second, fucking hell. No, but I think in this match, I think this match made me forget about how bad it would be to have Ibushi versus Naito again. Yeah. And I was just like, no, I just want Ibushi, because Ibushi's my favourite in New Japan right now, as you know, and I'm just like, oh, come on, come on, Ibushi. You're basically a dude eraser, and I love it. I mean, by this point now, the match is in, like, never mind second, third, fourth gear. This match was in fucking turbo. This, will get, this match was in full gear. Yeah. Um, they literally threw fucking everything at each other. Okada kicked out of a bomb IA at one. There was, there was a fucking um, Thunder Valley driver from Okada. O- Okada pulled out fucking out. everything. Yeah, the sit-out team from the Thunder. Yeah, fucking, I did not see that coming. And, um... Just, this is where it's weird. Like this is the point where I'm like, oh yeah, Okada's fucking amazing, and then he loses it the next night. Like, but the <sighs> the speed of Ibushi never ceases to amaze me. And I know that you've had whatever issue it, you know, with Okada and strangling the title and having that stranglehold on the title. And I do understand that this match. Good God, did he feel like a champion? Did did it feel like the no, right person he, to hold that title? He felt like a champion, but we have to understand, like in the what, five years now I've been watching New Japan. Okada's never been away from the title scene more than six months. I was listening to the Super J cast and they were saying that um, they weren't sure. They, You know, they liked their G1 match, Okada and Ibushi, but they weren't sure if they were holding something back, you know, holding something back for potentially this Wrestle Kingdom main event before it was announced. And fucking hell, G- I, G- they threw everything at each other and a the speed of Ibushi, despite the fact that we were, at this point we were nearly 40 minutes into this match, it was just amazing. Just the emotion, the storytelling in the ring. There is not a person. I mean, Okada is going to go down as one of the best pro wrestlers ever, just without a shadow of a doubt. You know, not New Japan, any wrestler ever. He's just, his ability to grab you into a match, his ability to raise anyone he has in the ring with him to just that godlike level. I mean, Ibushi didn't need much helping, but you know what I mean. You know, anyone that is in the ring with him is just raised to that godlike status. And Jesus Christ, when, you know, Okada's hit Ibushi with two of the Rainmakers, he goes to the third, Ibushi drops, hits him with the knee, and you're like, oh my God, Ibushi. And then finally, that sit-out driver that you were talking about, then a Rainmaker, and okada wins but jesus christ it was it's one of those matches where sometimes new japan fall foul of just doing these main events where they go 29 30 minutes and they don't need to i could have watched another 10 minutes of this match it felt like a 20 minute match the drama the action just everything that was in this match it's everything that i love about pro wrestling and I hate the fact that Wrestle Kingdom, in a way, is so early on in the year because people, you know, forget about these matches as they go towards December and their end-of-year awards. Fucking hell. What a match. What a match. I, I, I can't get my words out. 
and it's not even the best match of the two nights. Actually, I'd listen to um, Meltzer talk about the two nights, and he thinks night one is far superior to night two, which I completely disagree with. No. But, yeah, he thinks um, Okada and Ibushi is the match of the weekend. Don't, which I don't blame him. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. This was an outstanding match, and... 10 stars without a shadow of a doubt and is one of the greatest professional wrestling matches I have ever had the the you know the honour of watching let's be perfectly honest but Night 2 had one thing this did not have and that's what we'll go into in a moment Jesus Christ um, but yeah I I just I love Ibushi I absolutely adore Ibushi and Okada Jesus Christ absolutely Jesus Christ we've Obviously, we've both given it 10. Outstanding. Absolutely outstanding. Really, really good end to the night. So, night two, the 5th of January 2020. We opened on the pre-show with the never-openweight six-man tag team championships gauntlet match with a team of Los Ingenables, Dehapon, Evil Bushi, and Shingo Takagi defeating the champions Risuke Taguchi, Togi Makabe, and Tora Yano as, lo- as well as the teams of Suzuki-Goon and Chaos and Bullet Club at 6 minutes and 8 seconds, the final bit, with a Made in Japan. This was about as five stars as you are going to get, Chris. I didn't I, I didn't watch it. because Can I quickly tell the story about how New Japan fucked up the fucking upload? Well, not only did they fuck up the upload, Chris, um, during or just after the main card started, so just after the opening match, the Jushin Thunder Liger match, um, Liger had just been pinned by Hiromu, and the feed paused, and it was all over Twitter, so people come out and tried to refresh the feed, and it wasn't letting them back in. Um, so at this point, the entire of Twitter is... Fucking, this happens every fucking year. They every year, every year in New Japan, it, it's never done this. To be fair, it's been stuttery, it's been slow. It has never kicked people out during. Oh, they, kicked me out, they kicked me out on day one. I mean, previous years. Yeah, it's enough, never kicked people out during the show. It's it's, it's been it's struggling getting problem. in. It's a fresh problem every time New Japan keep doing the equivalent of when like you're making a Hot Wheels set and you try to put two pieces together and you just create the same problem further down the track. <laughs> nice, I like that. Well done. Um, um, yeah, what, what was your but, issue? Oh, fucking! So like, the, it literally was going. Uh, I tried it on my laptop, on my iPad, on my brother's laptop, on my um, streaming through the Apple TV, whatever. Everything I tried, it was going at like fifteen frames a second. Like, ch- it was like a bad GIF of Wrestle, Wrestle Kingdom. So like, literally, I had to track down a pirated copy because so like, it meant to watch. First time I watched Naito versus Okada, I had ads every five minutes. How? That like, must have it, ruined the experience. Um, actually, believe it or not, it I, it, it kept happening. At, <laughs> the ads kept happening at really tense moments. <laughs> so I was like, oh, fucking come on, come on, come on, come on. I do not give a fuck about your penis enlargement pills. <laughs> yes, you do. Don't lie. I, I don't need them. Yes, you do. Don't your mum's never complained. Wee. Um, it's not the first your mum joke in the history of this podcast. It really isn't. I don't even think it's the first one of this episode. When did we make a your? I don't remember making a your mum joke. 
I normally keep a mental trap just so I don't make too many. Because <laughs> you know, there's a there's a limit on your mama jokes, clearly. Yeah, no, but uh, I'm, I have a certain budget, and I don't use them. I don't. We don't roll over. No. Um, to be perfectly honest, Chris, there was absolutely nothing you missed here whatsoever. Even the win itself wasn't that impressive. Um, I simply feel it was well for what I thought was going to be um, an LIJ roll call at the end of the night, um, where everyone held up gold. Um, it's nice to see that Evil, Bushi and Shingo are champions and they are potentially going to bring some uh, some credibility to the belts. And then all three of them came out without the fucking belts at New Year Dash. So, you know, it's, I could it's, be it's fucking wrong. I think um, this title can ever have any sort of prestige. How many champions has it had in like its three years being active? 19, I, I think. 20. Yeah, tw- Evil, Bushi and Shingo are the 20th. Yeah, and I think Taguchi, Makabe, and Yano might be the longest reign. Um, it was Bushi, Evil, and Sonada before that. Yeah, but that's, I think they at least defended it. Um, I believe that apparently the team of Taguchi, Makabe, and Yano defended it four times in their reign, which is coming up to about 270 days. I'm having a quick look through the history, and there's some really random teams. Like, stupidly. Like, the first... Um, the first winners were Brisco- um, the Briscoes and Toriyano. Yeah, I knew that, obviously, Wrestle Kingdom 10. And then there's Tanahashi, Elgin, and Yoshitatsu. Um, Seidel, Ricochet, and Kojima, which then got um, vacated because Seidel got caught with the drugs. All the drugs. And then Seidel got replaced by fucking Finley. Oh, yeah, so he didn't actually win the championship. He just held it for a bit. Yeah, it's all a bit to be fair like the, the height of this title was when the, it was part of a bullet club civil war yeah no I, no I get that and it was sort of held ransom where it wasn't defended at all and it's sort of become a bit of a comedy belt now yeah which is fair which is good it was on Yana in that case I agree with that I agree I just I, I just don't want to have a belt if there's no fucking point to it no, that's the thing. New Japan just needs to stop because, like, they, the point. I think the initial point was like, "Oh, we can have a reason for probably six man tags," but then you never defend them, so who the fuck actually cares? Exactly. They don't even need a build to it. Just it's faction warfare. Just I'm not fancy booking the never open weight six man tag team championships because what's the fucking point? Yeah, no, it's like fucking. I don't know. Imagining a night with Bet in bed with Betty White or something. Just why would you? Betty White, mate. Why Betty White? Because I was trying to think of a, um, something you don't want to think about, and that was Betty White, was it? That was your go-to. I mean, Betty, do you want do you want to think about having sex with Betty White? I I never once thought about having sex with Betty White until you mentioned Betty White. No, exactly, because you don't want to. No, because it's just not a thing normal people think about, Chris. I don't think about it. You literally like... have just said that. No, but like I'm saying, why would you? Fa- it's like why of other things to fantasy book. Why this? Like, if you're going to fant- fantasy book yourself into bed with someone, why not Tai Chi? The main match, the first match <laughs> of the main card then was Jushin Thunder Liger's second and final retirement match, the tag team match, with Hiromu Takahashi and Ryu Lee defeating the team of Jushin Thunder Liger and Noaki Sano at 12 minutes and 16 seconds with the time bomb. Now, Aside from this being another excellent match, we knew it would be really good. Um, we knew that, you know, 
Liger would give everything, we knew Hiromu would go balls out, we knew Ryu Lee had wanted this match, so he was going to go all out. And obviously we've got Sano as well, who proved the previous night that he could still go. I mean, for God's sake, in this one, he did a springboard drop kick to two men. So, you know, and at his age, that's amazing. This was so emotional. This could have been an absolute car crash and nobody would have given a shit. And to be perfectly honest, I'm not even going to spend a lot of time talking about the match because it was it was a good match. You know, there was moments where Liger was properly on top, really going for Hiromu, basically telling him to man the fuck up and hit him. Oh, both, both Shotes. The Shota, he... He wrestled like it was his last match. That's that's the way to describe it. Um, yeah. Um, very quickly, I'm still not used to Ryuli's new name. No, I'm like, not. It's very hard to not call him Dragonly. It was also very, very, very weird seeing him come out in a Los Angeles t-shirt. Yeah. To be fair, what's even weirder is in Ring of Honor, he, they call him Dragonly. Yeah, I noticed that as well, because his Twitter handle's still Dragon Lee as well, which is very strange. Yeah, it's all a bit... I don't know, his name's in a bit of a weird flux right now, isn't it? It's like Pentagon. <laughs> yeah, I'm wondering, though, if it's because of the um, connection between CMLL and New Japan, whereas Ring of Honor don't really have that connection, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, um, that's something I think I need to double-check to make sure I'm right, but I don't think um, Lee is on any of the Fantastic Mania shows. No. I thought, and one last thing about this match, you know, I actively encourage you to go and check it out. It's the end of an era, and, you know, thank you, Jushin Liger. That's all we can say, really. Um, But what I will say is that I thought it was a nice parallel that he decided to retire after not being able to best someone in their prime, that person obviously being Taiji Shimori at the anniversary show. He came out made the announcement that he was going to retire, and in this match, he couldn't hang with another person, another young person in their prime, in Hiromu, who, of course, pinned him after the time bomb. And that moment, there wasn't anything ridiculously special here. Like, stood in the ring, he bowed to all four corners, he had a standing ovation from the Tokyo Dome, as he should do, and I have no doubt that there was tears shed, and rightly fucking so. And he left the ring, and... I still can't quite think about it, to be perfectly honest. I can't quite get my head around the fact that one of the most colourful characters in wrestling has retired. What's your favourite iteration of Liger? Like, do you like classic Liger, battle Liger? What's your what's your what's your Liger mood? Um, because I Garth Garth loves Keishan Liger. Garth has got a bit of a crazy thing for Keishan Liger. It's it's weird. It came out of nowhere as well, because we were just discussing doing like a Liger special classic, and he was like, can I join? I'm like, yeah, sure. He's like, can we have can we have Muta versus Keishan Liger? It's really important, because it's the debut of Keishan Liger. I'm like, this is a fandom I did not see happening from Garth. No, not at all. Um, I mean, I watched quite recently the match between Liger and Kanemoto at mm-hmm. WrestleWorld 2000 where Liger absolutely fucking blitzes through him in about three minutes. And he's just fucking stiff as fuck. It really is. For a three-minute bout, fucking hell. And that black, badass Liger was just absolutely amazing. And that was brilliant. His entire heel run was really cool. Um, 
but honestly is really cool yeah battle Liger is amazing but for me just juice and thunder Liger. his his face run you know his as a dad as one of the dads he was still one of the best in ring and that just says yeah, I everything think he probably had he probably had the best match of each and reign I, yeah, I don't uh, think that's difficult maybe, to be maybe, fair though. May, yeah, they didn't. They did Ishimori dirty. Um, it's funny though because like it's because of course like Keishin Liger back in the day had like the long hair, but like it's the first time I realized oh like Liger's bald now. <laughs> yeah, that, I realized that as well. I realized that when he um when he took the mask off against what, Suzuki. Yeah, when he was doing the um when he when he first did the Keishin Liger thing on thing and I was like oh shit. Fucking okay, he doesn't have the hair anymore because of course, like back in the day, Keishin Liger did have have the hair. Do you I like Battle Liger just because it's what he used against like heavyweights so, like um, Hashimoto and um, Suzuki, and that's some of my favorite Liger moments. So anyway, yeah. we should probably move on because we've discussed about like, and we're probably going to do that when we cover the fucking ceremony. That is true. Well, that is true. Seven stars. Um, yeah, I'd go seven. We move on then to the second car- second match on the main card, the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Championships match with Rapongi 3K, the winner of the Super Junior Tag League, defeating the champions of the Bullet Club team of El Fantasmo and Taiji Ishimori at 14 minutes and 8 seconds with a strong X. This was a really, really good match. Um, I thought the show, once again, looked like an absolute fucking badass. Um, hitting the double German on both people. I really liked Taiji Shimori's new mask. Um, we had a lung blower, um, which, again, looked amazing. El Fantasmo is probably the best I've seen him since the best of the Super Juniors. Genuinely, a, a really, really good match. My problem yeah. is, and this is a problem that you probably know I'm going to say, and it's something that constantly irks me with El Fantasmo in particular. The fucking go-to moves, no matter what. Yeah, he's definitely just sort of default, doesn't he? Although there was some, I just want to quickly mention before we like shit on Fantasmo, um, the creative ways in which both Fantasmo and Ishimori started doing back rakes was hilarious. The moonsault back rake was amazing. Yeah, and then like Ishimori did like a springboard back rake. It's like, you lads, you you know how to be a heel. And. <sighs> But then they go into the corner and they do the ball stand on. And yeah, that should be a disqualification, shouldn't it? <laughs> it it really should. I mean, I know it played into the ending with El Fantasmo going for the low blow and they're both wearing cups and, you know, Rocky's grabbing the belt and it seems a bit fucking all over Yo- the place. Yo put, put his cup in his mouth. He, I knew that there was something weird I wanted to discuss at the end. That was it. That was it. He's just wrestled in that. It's going to fucking taste like skill fish. Yeah, it, it would be horrendous. And then there is a really funny, there's a really funny moment where the referee is attempting to give show his back. And he's like, I don't want to touch this. I don't want to touch this. I know where this has been. And I know where that's been. Um, fucking, I saw someone say on Twitter that like, yo, it's clearly the standout of Rapungi 3K. Fuck off. <laughs> I don't agree he's with not, that. No, he's, he's the most generic junior. Like, if you, I was to like draw a generic junior, it would be shit because I can't draw. But if I could draw, it would look like yo. 
No, I think that's unfair. I think that's unfair. Yo had an understated best of the Super Juniors, and I think the problem was he was in a block with Will Ospreay, El Fantasmo, and ultimately... Yeah, Rocky Romero as well, who had... It's, an, it's sort of a tea time problem when there's more interesting things going on. Despite the fact he still had a good best of the Super Juniors, and unfortunately he didn't have the story that Sho had going in. I don't think that Yo is generic. I think he's going to be an extremely good junior. The problem that I have with Rapongi 3K in general is that no one really cares about them. No. Like, they're on paper a really successful tag team already, but yeah, like, I could, I'm, they've rattled everyone. And we, you know, we're going to look at the angle in a moment on uh, at Dash, and we see who their next challenges are, and we're like, "Well, we fucking seen this! Like, we literally just saw this. We've just seen it. I mean, even Gado clearly does not give a shit about this. I mean, we talk about how he doesn't give a shit about the IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team Division. He definitely does not give a shit about the Junior Division. It's kind of sad because, like, it seems to be in a good place going into it. It's like the one thing coming out of Wrestle Kingdom worse. It will be interesting to see how long they hold off with the show and yo breakup angle. And I wonder if it will happen when they lose the titles. Maybe because they like we've been putting Rocky and Eagles together more. So, like, I guess there's like a replacement junior team there. Yeah, so like if Os- if Osprey decides to move up, because like I'm honestly with some of what's happening, out, I'm not quite sure about Kansas and being heavyweight yet or not. But yeah, to be fair, this match was like honestly, this match is fun, and we'll, we should probably talk more about the future when it comes to Dash, because um, I'm sort of eager to talk about the next match. Okay, I mean, I gave it, I gave it seven, I gave it seven too. It's about as good as the tag match from the day before. Okay, so we move on to match three of the main card, and this is the British Heavyweight Championship match with Zack Sabre Jr., the champion, defeating Sonata and retaining at 12 minutes and 32 seconds with the European clutch. Chris, go for it. This match was basically my kink. Like, holy sh... Like, it's one of those matches where the two men, like, very rarely weren't touching each other. Get giggity. But, um... Like, like they just kept like seamlessly going from like hold to hold to hold to hold, and then like the only time I ever did that was when Zack Sabre Jr. was going outside to get heat, and oh my god, I just love the SJ. I really wish he could be in something more than a fucking British heavyweight division. Kid, like, fuck Rev Pro, but uh, just he's so good, and like Sonada, like I, he kind of played his part, but like problem is, see, Sonada's. The best opponent is probably ZSJ if you don't count Okada, because that's not fair. Like, they put on consistently amazing matches, but also, like, they're not distinct, but at the same time, they're far enough apart from each other where it's sort of like, yeah, let's go. For example, like, they do always do it, but, like, it gets me every time where he goes for the snapmare, but Sonada sort of jumps out of it. Just so, like, just kept subverting each other's spots, and I absolutely loved it. Like, Gar said it best, it's like a Milanko versus Guerrero match. I really enjoyed the opening exchange. The opening exchange, it was, it's it's a mat wrestling match that we seem to have seen many, many, many times, but it was done at such a pace and with such intensity. And 
it it just kept going. It it really really flowed. And ZSJ and Sonata have absolutely phenomenal chemistry. Their match in the G1 was exceptional, and every match they have is really really good. Zach was in really really good form. I agree with you. I think Zach was certainly the main star of this match. Sonata played second fiddle somewhat. Is that going to play into storyline later on down the line? Potentially. After all, he is currently the only member of LIJ without any gold whatsoever, despite having the run he had last year. So that becomes a little bit of a storyline. But yeah, really, really, really good match. Zack Sabre Jr. comes out of it looking brilliant, looks you know like a champ. I agree with you. I would love to see him with some manner of New Japan gold. However, they seem to have a niche for Zack Sabre Jr. And that niche for Zack Sabre Jr., I feel, at the moment is the British Heavyweight Championship. Yeah. Um, great match, bro. Like, honestly, like I can't say much about it, but like I was so into it while it was happening. I agree with you. I agree with you. It was too fair. It's the same with basically every Sonata match. <laughs> is it better than their G1 match? Yes. Just because I wasn't distracted by a half-empty arena. Okay. I gave it the same. I think I gave it an 8. I can't remember if I gave it an 8 or a 9. Um, I, gave I, gave it, it, I gave it a 9. I gave it an 8. Well, I, I, I conceded on before earlier, so can you just give it a 9 for Are me? you really using the fact that I gave a meaningless 8-man tag on night 1 4 stars? So that you can get... Yeah, fair enough. Nine stars. Um, we move on then to the next match, and this was the second IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship match with John Moxley, the champion from night one, defeating Juice Robinson at 12 minutes and 48 seconds with a fucking badass-looking Death Rider. Um, it was... It was a match that wasn't Probably. as good as the Archer and John Moxley won, and I feel like it lacked a little bit of heat, maybe. Um, it's a it weird was no one. It was as good as the, the, man, um, the previous two matches. I agree like, with you. Like, nowhere near as good. I agree with you, and whether that is Juice having wrestled two matches and Moxley having wrestled two matches, and I don't know whether Juice was injured or... I, I don't know. There seemed to be... A lack of intensity, and I think but for a match that involves like John Moxley, who's running through the motions, yeah, who's John Moxley's entire gimmick is his intensity, and I don't know, it just it felt flat. Like the only like good part is like the cannonball onto the chair. Yeah, there was a good point where Juice punches the chair as well um, into the face of John Moxley. That's quite a cool spot, um, but it was. <laughs> It was short, that's what we can say about it. And um, it wasn't a bad match whatsoever. It was sort of lost in the mire of this night. Um, it certainly wasn't Juice's best singles match, and it's certainly not John Moxley's best match. Um, unfortunately, there isn't a lot to say about it, aside from, you know, the really, really cool Death Rider at the end. Um, and it's not even the main talking point of this entire angle which we'll get into in a second i mean the match itself chris i gave six yeah i gave seven but if i was half asleep for it so like i might have just tricked myself yeah to so me like, it I'm was happy to go along with six 
Yeah, it, it like, just seemed a bit flat. Like, especially when you consider, like, both matches were so different, but, like, we, like the Moxley-Juice match, the second one actually really surprised me. Yeah. No, <laughs> I said it before. I don't think Juice Robinson was the man to have this challenge on night two. He has not done anything to deserve that second championship shot. He lost to Lance Archer, back of the queue. He has not pinned Lance Archer, Therefore, to me, unless he pinned him in Tag League, didn't he pin him in Tag League? I can't remember if he pinned him in Tag League. He might have pinned him in Tag League. Um, but even if he pinned... How many times did he do Tag League in fucking 10 <laughs> seconds? But even if he pinned Lance Archer, he didn't pin Moxley. So, yeah, I don't know. It To me, it didn't feel... It didn't have the heat at it all. Like fi- it, was, it was filler. That's um, exactly like what it was. There was both the DSJ Sonata match and the Goto Kenta match could have used more time. Um, I felt that for the Goto Kanta match, I thought the British Heavyweight Championship match was roughly in line with what I expected. Maybe. However, like, maybe if get, maybe if well, maybe if there was more um, time, um, Jericho could have had his actual fucking music. Um, <laughs> maybe I'm not letting I'm not letting that go. Oh no, don't! And once anyway. we get to that, I absolutely implore you to have your rant about it because your rant was perfect. Um, however, after this, um, fucking hell! Who comes out, what Chris? I did. Uh, I wanted to do the song, but I forgot how. It... I don't can't believe. Like to be fair, it now makes perfect sense why we didn't have his theme on the first night. Yes, and what a pop! Yeah, because I think people legitimately thought he was gone. I was. I was convinced. Yeah, I was absolutely convinced as well. And I was like, <gasps> "Holy shit." Suzuki, and um, I just loved how he was when he was like taking off his tracksuit. Chris Shelton, who's like, of course, the most traditionalist on the biggest traditionalist on the commentary booth, was going, No, this is not how we do things here. It was, I mean, I'd completely forgotten that in the World Tag League final, John Moxley had given Suzuki a death rider as well as Lance Archer. I'd completely forgotten, and then just as I realized that Moxley's music wasn't playing, I was like, What the fuck is going on here? And then Kazanina Ray started, the crowd went fucking ballistic. Suzuki walks down in his tracksuit, starts stripping off, he's in his gear, and I was like, No, no. And then they just beat the shit like into each other. Chris Charles, actually, yeah, Chris Charles was on fire on night two, and we'll get more into that later on. But um, just shouting, No, Suzuki, this is not how we do things here. Just it was it was a really good moment to end a very mediocre match. Yeah, no, it's sort of like when Samoa Joe turned up after Kevin Owens versus Sami Zayn. Yeah, absolutely. We move on then to the never open weight championship. Wasn't the match. announcement after this, like the um, schedule announcement after this? Oh yeah, the extremely anti-climate. This was something, and I text Chris about this. This is something that I look forward to every year. And in Wrestle Kingdom, you get the announcement of everything that is happening over the New Japan year. And basically, we had half the year, we had the announcement of the New Beginning shows, which obviously we'd already had announced. We had the announcement of the New Japan Cup, Wrestling uh, Wrestling Hinokuni, um, the Best of the Super Juniors final, which has moved to... Not Sumo Hall. Where's it moved to, Chris? Fuck, I should, really should have written this down. Um, I'll double-check because I'm on the New Japan website right now. Okay, so 
the best of the Super Juniors final has moved. And the biggest thing to come out of this, as well as announcing that Wrestling Dontaku will be at the start of May, as usual, in Fukuoka, is that the G1 Climax, ordinarily a summer tournament, has been moved to October, the first October G1. And, of course, that is because of the Olympics taking place in Tokyo. So it will be interesting to see if New Japan do um, more foreign dates during the summer because of obviously the influx of people watching the Olympics or whether they chance their arm and see if more people will be interested in the wrestling because more people are in Japan for the Olympics. It'll be interesting. But my problem was we got very other... We got no announcements of any American dates. We got no announcements of a possible European date or, you know, lo and behold, a UK date. Um, We got nothing announced. We got no announcement as to whether... This Wrestle Kingdom 15 will be a two-night event or a one-night event. It was quite anticlimactic. What struck me is G1's now in Sumo Hall. Yes, we've moved from Budokan Hall to Sumo Hall. Um, and they sold well in Budokan. Maybe, is it because Budokan is booked, maybe? With it being later on? Who else is running Budokan? Um, when is BJW's big show? Oh, that's November. Oh, they can't, fourth of November. They, they, oh, they no, can't they, run Budokan though. Well, they do. I'm sure they do. I'm sure that's their big Budokan, show on the fourth. Budokan's like fifteen. Like it's a proper like arena. Just check. I'm sure. I'm sure they have. Oh, no, no, no. Sorry, that might be Sumo Hall, actually. That might be Sumo Hall on the 4th yeah, no, of November. That's where, like, most... That's where, like, Noah and Big I know Japan that, hope. Yeah, I know that D- Noah do. Because Yeah, because, um... So, like, I mean, because, like, they did... They sold slightly less in Budokan Blast because they... Apparently, they expanded their um, production dice. So, like, it's a really weird one. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I prefer, as a New Japan venue, I prefer Sumo Hall. Um, just because it, it screams New Japan more than, like, I just see um, Budokan and think, oh, all Japan. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. The type of like, all Japan can barely sell out Korokin. No, I understand that. It's, it's a weird one. It certainly is a weird one. Um, yeah, I'm sure like if, we'll um, find out eventually, but... It's like when someone who wasn't WWE ran MSG. You mean like New Japan and Ring of Honor did? Yeah, no, you have to admit that was a tiny bit weird. <laughs> it was a little bit weird, yeah. It was great, but to be fair, the show was weird to begin with. But anyway, this next match. Yes. First of all, we forgot, we forgot to mention it earlier. Go to the theme. What a bop. Yeah, it, it's up there, isn't it? And yeah. It's the quiet. I think it's it's one of my most enduring memories of like watching Wrestle Kingdom's live. Like watching Wrestle Kingdom 12 and him come out to that theme and then have that fucking absolutely banger with Suzuki. It's it's just so it's my best memory from that ma- from that Wrestle Kingdom, and I don't know I've always had that little that little bit of a soft spot for Goto's um, theme song, but yeah it really is a fucking bop. And now oh, that he's Kenta's- changed his T-shirt, thank fucking Christ! It's been changed since um, just before Tag League, to be fair. Which is weird because that's like- when we started abusing it. <laughs> Goto listens to the Young Lion cast confirmed. Yeah. Um, also, Kenta's theme is underrated. I love the war drums. Sorry, you asked that just so I was eating another cracker. Fuck's it. But Kenta's theme is really underrated. Like, the war drums are great. No, I agree. 
I think Kenta's new one is very, very, very good. Also, like, he has the best Bullet Club design right now. The fan it's just one. like when, yeah. Um, because like fangs always win his things. So like, it, I don't know. It it fit more naturally than like Jay White's one or Marty's one. Like a lot of the different Bullet Club designs sort of just don't fit naturally into the logo, whereas this kind of does. I don't know. Quite like the Jay White one. Yeah, to be fair, I really like the Marty one just because of the um plague mask on the skull. I yeah. thought that was quite cool. Oh. Bullet Club just has a tight. Too fair, everyone. With the colors thing, I have to Bullet Club shirt. It, uh, merch is a Pachiti Club T-shirt <laughs> <laughs> because no, because we were selling in Pachiti at a what culture show I went to, and I was like, no, oh. <laughs> I, I don't turn down. I don't turn down cheap T-shirts, Rob. I mean, like I got Hulk Hogan T-shirt because it was two pound. You're an embarrassment. Oh, it is an absolute embarrassment because it's half naked Hulk Hogan. No, because there's one where it's just half naked Hulk Hogan. The other one's like the Union Jack Hulkamania logo. Which like some it's like racism on racism at that point. You you disgust me. Hang on, <laughs> I disgust me too, Rob. Um... <laughs> this match though, Chris. This <sighs> match. This is what the Never title has to be, and I said it after Dash. And the Never title has its identity back finally. Because like I'm not being funny. This sort of became a means to an end at the end of 2018, beginning of 2019. So like since of. Taichi winning it off of Cobb. That's when it started again to rebuild as we hit each other as hard as we possibly fucking can title. Not taking into account what happens after the main event. Is Kenta the best heel? He's just such a dick. <laughs> he absolutely laps. In this match, just treating Goto as though he was an absolute joke throughout this match was brilliant. And then just that complete, just treating him like he's a prick this entire man, and then that eventually snaps Goto. It's just brilliant. It really is. Just serenading the fans as they boo him. Slapping Goto. Just like an almost like, get the fuck out of my when way. When we were chanting um, go home, Kenta, um, he was just like, go on, come on, bring it on. He like just revels so much in being hated. Because like, to be honest, after like, his run in WWE, I think he's just happy to be getting heat again. Yeah, absolutely. Do you know what else was nice in this match? They didn't attack Shibata. They didn't attack Shibata. No Shibata on this show at all, which I think was a strange one. Not even in Goto's corner. I, to be honest, I think they didn't want Goto to be overshadowed. That would be reasonable, being, yeah. And not being funny, like, like the bit, having um, Kenta come out with Shibata initially hurt the fact that Kenta was there. Because they're like, yeah, cool Kenta, but I, oh, I thought Shibata was alive. Goto. But no, but like this ha- Go on. This match just had this probably the second most heated match of this night. Goto was phenomenal in this match. Yeah, like this is this is West Kingdom twelve goer, and he just didn't let up, and it was great. And like he needs to keep it like this because like he keeps lo- having like parts of the year where he's just not on, and he needs to start like being on. Like cause when Goto's on, no one can touch him. Well, that's a lie. Lots of people can touch him, but like. He's just the perfect never open weight championship champion, which, like, in 2018, he just wasn't. I don't know what the fuck happened, but he just wasn't. He. The difference here in this match to, say, a Wrestle Kingdom 12 against Suzuki is that at no point did I feel like Goto was the person in distress. Constantly, he was going after Kenta. He was. F- the ref had to hold Goto back. 
then basically Goto was powering through, attempting to beat the ever-loving shit out of Kenta. And finally, if nothing put an emphasis on that, that final GTR, oh my god, that looked exactly yeah. awful. It looked like such a horrible thing to take from Kenta. And then... It almost made you forget that Kenta's a cunt. <laughs> is right. I ask you, is there anything better in wrestling than a no-sold slap? Um... Tai Chi. Apart from Tai Chi. Candy Floss. I hate you so much. <laughs> <laughs> hey, was she in the fucking dark matches in Blackpool? I hate you so much. Um, This match went 16 minutes, and I think... It could have maybe had a little bit more, but I think organically... If, if, it went if it went 20, it could honestly have been a 10 for me. I don't think it was quite there. And I think when you look at the rest of the match, I'm like, oh, I, I just don't feel it was quite there. It was heated. It was great. It was brutal. And I think it ended when it needed to end with Kenta slapping Goto and Goto just no-selling it and just staring with that hate and that anger and that emotion we don't see enough from Goto just etched into every line before he delivers that fucking GTR that I thought had actually killed Kenta brilliant, brilliant um, originally I gave this 8 and then I've watched it again and it's a, it's a it 9 a yeah it's a 9 yeah, for me no, it was initially a 9 for me so like, yeah. ah, what a match yeah a really really good match and one of Goto's better performances and Kenta, you know, love him or hate him, he's done Kenta's such a good job there since debuting. Um, I would say his match against Okada at the G One was excellent. I'd say it's his, definitely his it best one since then. But, but it le had less heat. Oh yeah, it was a G One match, obviously, but it's you it's know, his exactly. best match since then. That was the last time he was this level. Is yeah, what I well, mean. Maybe, well, maybe his EC match. Well, his second one, not the... Uh, we don't talk about that. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> we move on then. Our third to the top was our loser's place match, which we weren't officially allowed to call it. Apparently, it's a number one contendership match, which <laughs> we found out at the match. end it really wasn't. Yeah, it was billed as a special singles match, but... I like the fact that the commentary team made a very, very big point of saying this is not just a loser a loser's match it's you know whoever wins this match is going to be placed in that heavyweight title picture and unfortunately it's essentially creating a tier list exactly unfortunately in that case someone decided to jump the queue yeah we had switchblade jay white defeating kota ibushi at 24 minutes and 58 seconds with a blade runner now i say unfortunately chris because this means that <laughs> We had the possibility, because obviously Tetsuya Naito was in the main event, we had the we had the sort of, if this was to be the case, and whoever win this match would go on to, let's say, New Beginning to main event that show against the champion. If Tetsuya Naito were to win, that would mean that we would have Switchblade Jay White versus Tetsuya Naito again. It would be great, but also they've ran that match three times in the last few months, so like I understand why they wouldn't want to completely just go back to it. To be honest, I completely expected them to go like Abushi and Naito since that's a proven draw. That but, is um, what I expected, but also I thought um, that Ibushi was the man to take two falls this time. Yeah, and to be fair, it played into the story really great. Like he now has like a literally a fallen star. 
um thing going on which i love people were like oh my favorite's lost and i'm like that's such a stupid way because like i'm not being funny two two losses with a with a um with a clear story direction it's like people thought abushi was being buried he's not he has a clear story direction like and he's probably gonna end up being a highlight of this year because of it and just yeah and jay white continued to be a right cunt and i loved it <laughs> like the throwing of abushi into the um rails that's the most brutal i've ever seen that yeah i agree I agree. Just ev- <laughs> I didn't enjoy this match as much as I enjoyed the Naito match, which is weird because I know a lot of people preferred this match. Um, I loved the fact that White was pushing that button, trying to get Ibushi to that level that he was at against Okada. And basically, it took White to cheat, ultimately, to get the victory over Ibushi. You know, it took him getting Gado involved. It took a low blow before he could hit the Blade Runner. I did enjoy, whilst he was hitting the Blade Runner, by the way, that he sort of stumbled and couldn't quite get it properly because it sold just how close to defeat Jay was. But he's an opportunist. Mm -hmm. He's, you know, he's the ultimate opportunist in New Japan, if you will, except for one man in the main event who we'll talk about. Um, But Jay White was great That's not really, like, exploiting an opportunity. That's just... (laughs) That's not like um you went through a hole. You have just ripped a hole open and kicked your way through it. Um, no, this was great. This is not quite as good as the G1 finals. I agree. I agree. The, the problem was the lack of heat here. The perceived lack of heat. Because ultimately, it was a, cons- a consolation prize. Yeah. No, exactly. It's like who's third best in the company, basically. Exactly. Um, and I think that de- even though the commentary team, and I must admit right now, um, Kevin Kelly, Gino Gambino, Chris Charlton, and even Rocky when he went on, they did an absolutely outstanding job on both nights. No, that's the thing. They've, both, they've, all gone, they've all actually managed to gel, finally. Like Before it talked, like, felt like three or four people having a com- separate conversation, but now we've actually gelled, which is nice to see. just shows that repetition gets you better unless your name is michael cole who has somehow managed to get worse over the years <laughs> um just yeah you didn't like the gato interference did you it wasn't that i didn't like the gato interference i understand the need for gato interference you know he's part of bullet club he's a cheap lousy heel i understand that in the naito match i felt that the gato interference was done to the correct level it wasn't overpowering it didn't take away too much from the match however it was so prevalent here it was just it stopped being you know heat and just was oh for fuck's sake come on and i actually caught myself looking at my watch at this point and i shouldn't be doing that in a jy versus ibushi match one thing that did redeem it was psycho ibushi and the fact that he clearly wasn't happy with the way he left things with Okada and decided he was going to go one step further with Jay White <laughs> and physically eviscerate the man. It, it was actually quite uncomfortable. It was like, unbelievable. It was ridiculous, the levels he was going to try and kill this poor man. I really hope, like, Abushi doesn't keep doing the psycho Abushi, like, all the time. Like, I hope it's like a once or twice a year thing. Because, um, like, honestly, when he does it, it's so effective. But, like, people, because this is the first time it's properly happened on, like, a Wrestle Kingdom that everyone's watched, 
Um, it's the first time people started noticing it, but like he's done it before, and it's just amazing when he does it. Like the, the way he managed to get like all emotion to leave his face. It's. I agree with you. It needs to be that thing that comes out just every now and then to add another layer to a match. Now here, it's part of clearly a wider storyline. Again, this is why I fucking love this company. They don't do anything for no reason. It's done to be part of a wider storyline. And I've got a feeling that we are going to soon see that psycho Kota Ibushi as a character, that heel... Kishin Ibushi. Kish... <laughs> the devil Kishin Ibushi. I've just got a feeling we've got going to have this dark... Basically, either, either the fallen star Kota Ibushi or the dark star Kota Ibushi or whatever you want to call him, we're going to have that very fucking terrifying Ibushi very, Black very soon. Ibushi. Yeah, that would be amazing. Um... Not no. to take anything away from Jay White, though. He's the best, he, probably the best heel. Well, he was, and then Kent had decided just to force his way into that role. Exactly. Um, I gave this eight. But Kent, so like, now I'm sort of like, I'm seeing this high on it because I love White and Ibushi, because um, they're my two favourites. So, like, honestly, I'd give it a nine, though. Um. Uh, uh, we're definitely going to disagree on the next match, so I'll. I'll concede on the next match if you concede on this one. Fine. Fine, we'll give it a nine. <laughs> it is Ibushi, and you know, we can't we can't hate on Ibushi. This next match, however, that Chris is referring to is a singles match, the special singles match, which was sort of billed at some point when they realized it hadn't got much heat as a potential opening of the door to the AEW AEW Championship. Match. Gateway. Oh Jesus I, Christ. I hate- it just shows me how much I hate AEW fans because they don't understand the New Japan product, which, like, it's fine, but stop pretending you do. I'm just, I'm really, really, really glad that the result was as it was, which, of course, was Chris Jericho yeah. defeating Hiroshi Tanahashi at 22 minutes and 24 um, seconds with the Wolves of Jericho. Go on, can Chris. I just quickly say this? An AEW part, a New Japan partnership is a bad idea. And here's for why. The reason New Japan are with Ring of Honor because they can is because they can send their young lines and the young lines will be like not booked to shit. And Ring of Honor is a decent, uh, is a good production house. Like uh, they help with all the New Japan American shows. AEW won't wouldn't do that. They don't. Ha- AEW don't have in um a, as a partner what because they're not being funny. AEW has good production values. They don't have good production. If that makes sense. Like they keep missing shit, and it's because they're a new company. It's because they're learning, and I get that. But like, that's not what New Japan needs. Like, honestly, if you, stop saying like it would be the best. Like, and just admit that you just want Kenny in New Japan again. Like, because I'm not being funny. I want Kenny in New Japan again, but I don't want it to happen to an AEW partnership. Also, now with with hindsight, the way Cody wrestled in New Japan is unforgivable, considering how he's been recently. Also. Um, fucking New, if, if you're an AEW fan you shouldn't want this because New Japan have a massive um, history of burying who they're in a partnership with because they're not being funny when WCW stars came over they got um, they jobbed out to New Japan stars happened with TNA stars happened with um, happened with Ring of Honor happened, like, if you, the reason Ring of Honor and CMOL see them on a level below New Japan is because New Japan never let them like if you know it's like all the matches where um, luchadors get big wins uh, against other luchadors in Fantastic Mania yeah. or like um, 
went over Ring of Honor guys who got a big win at G1 Supercard where Ring of Honor guys New Japan sort of seen as their own guys like Jeff Cobb so like I noticed that New Japan had no issue with Gorilla the Destiny throwing the ROH tag belts and shouting fuck Ring of Honor so like but if you're an AEW fan you shouldn't want this and if you're a New Japan fan you don't want this I think they made it very, very clear that this isn't happening. The books have come out on Twitter and said it's, you know, the door isn't opening. Jericho's come out in an interview and said, oh, we should, we should, everyone should just bury their ego, and I'm I'm fully with you. I don't think New Japan gets anything from this, from this alliance. Um, honestly, I don't think AEW get anything. Like, honestly, it gets fucking dream matches or whatever, but, like, dream ma- they, it won't be dream matches of any decent build, because they're not going to lend... Um, it's not like Ring of Honor where we do it in bulk so we can lend like Okada and Kachida or whatever to a Ring of Honor taping and they're there for like, um, they're there every two weeks for um, two months of t- television. But that's not going to happen with AEW because we do it. Like, honestly, like, on every like conceivable level, it's not a good idea. Like, and nothing good's going to come out of it apart from maybe a couple of dream matches, which is going to be great, but we won't be well built up. Also, where the fuck was Jericho's theme? What the fuck is going on? I love the fact that Chris Jericho, a rock star persona who is a legitimate singer in a legitimate band who sings his own theme music. Well, let's let's not disperse the word legitimate, okay? Okay, I say legitimate in the fact that they have a record deal. I mean, fucking... Go on, what are you going to say? What are you going to say that's sarcastic? Hanson had a record deal. Fozzie and Hansen is the parallel that you've just drawn. Yeah, I know. It's dispersing the name of Hansen, quite frankly. but um... The hardcore name of Hansen. No, I... serious, no, seriously, Hansen actually turned into a decent little indie band. So Chris Jericho doesn't <laughs> have the rights. Well, no. New Japan have got a wrestler who is coming out to his own theme music to his own music that he sings, and they still haven't got the fucking rights to it. It was so bush league. To be completely fair, Jericho probably doesn't own the publishing rights, and that's why he can't do it. No, I know. It's just funny. Pull pull some fucking strings, like... It's your fucking song! And, like, I'm not being funny, the song we have... Like, and they keep doing... They keep losing the rights for a small amount of time. Like, during the G1, where Osprey just suddenly couldn't use his song... It's just criminal. It really is. Oh, like, um, have you heard? Do you even know what Macabre's regular theme is? Yeah, it used have to be you, the uh, it used to be the theme song of a um, podcast I used to listen to. Ah, fucking. That's funny because first time I saw New Japan, the uh, Macabre came out to the uh, wrestling line. Like, we didn't dub over the immigrant song. We actually got the rights because it's a cover, so it's easier to get the rights for. Clearly not. He hasn't. In fact, I. It's such a banger now, Maccabees <laughs> dubbed over music. It's an absolute yeah, banger. To be fair, that is a f- it, it, I'm not complaining much because it is fucking great. But also, Immigrant Song is better, I'm sorry. Um, also, like, when remember at G1 Supercard, they suddenly didn't have half of Rumbles? Any of the Rumbles. They didn't have Suzuki's, for fuck's we sake. Have, I think you could hear the, shout, the crowd singing along. So bizarre. But they had Ligas, to, in, their fa- in fairness. They did have Ligas. Um, you didn't like this match, Chris. I didn't hate this match. I just didn't think it was amazing. Like, honestly, like it was your standard Jericho New Japan match. I preferred it. Okay, well, let's go through it. 
this First of all, and Jericho's the Omega body. match. Well, let's talk about that in a minute. This or the Omega match at Wrestle Kingdom 12? Uh, the Omega match. This or the Naito match at Dominion? I'd probably say equal pegging. I'd go for Naito 1 just for the shock of it. This versus Evil at Power Struggle? <sighs> probably better than Evil. This against Naito 2 at Wrestle Kingdom 13? Again, probably on the same level. This versus Okada at Dominion. Uh, yeah, better. In hindsight, I definitely overrated that match because I didn't want a Dominion main event to be shit. <laughs> yeah, I I well, agree with you. AW fans were, wa- were watching this and going, oh, Jericho is so good. He's showing everyone on this card how it's fucking done. And I'm like, you're fucking idiots. I didn't say it because I was running the pot because like, I'm on the podcast Twitter and like, Rob got me in trouble for trying to start a revolution in Australia. But um, to be fair, as soon as Rob let me use the pod menu for live tweeting, it became all like anarchism and um, homoeroticism, which I quite enjoyed. But just fucking... I'm done with Jericho in New Japan, and unfortunately he's going to keep coming to New Japan. Which, fine, just find a new way to start a story, because he basically only ever starts stories with a surprise attack for no fucking reason. Or with video vignettes, which are cool, but, like, why? Going into the match, Tanahashi and Jericho had far better chemistry than Jericho and Okada, because they're a similar style. Okada, um, sorry, Tanahashi, obviously... He's at that point now in his career where he's a little bit broken down. Not a little bit broken down. The poor man's altogether fucking tape. But there's there's a similarity there. They're both, not to the same extent, but they're both icons. You know, Chris Jericho is the top star of AEW. Hiroshi Tanahashi is the star. You know, falling down the card, obviously, now in age. But he is still the ace of New Japan. And I thought they had a really good exchange. They were parody parodying each other's moves each other's little you know that each little idiosyncrasies they were mocking you know you've got jericho on the top rope doing the air guitar you've got tanahashi doing the come on baby which i thought was really good you know and then you've got jericho not to the same extent or to the same level as um, Switchblade Jay White was targeting Naito's leg the night before, but I thought it was good how Jericho was targeting Tanahashi's leg. Tanahashi goes to the top rope, goes for the high fly flow, but can't, falls from the top rope because his leg buckles. That, that is brilliant. That is great pro wrestling. You've got the DDT from Jericho on the table, which Tanahashi sells brilliantly. Looked fucking painful. Ow. Um, The code breakers look good. And then we kept... Not tar- Tanahashi's. Tanahashi's code breaker was shit. It was shit, but so was Jericho's high fly flow. So there you go. To be fair, what the fuck do you expect from Jericho? That is true. Um, I will... S- I know you mentioned it before, um, but despite <laughs> a lot of people mocking Chris Jericho's body, I will say that he is, he is nearing 50 now. I think we can yeah, let him, to we, be fair. We don't give Trent Seven shit. Exactly. His lion sort was still on... Yeah, completely on point. Thing is, well, like, he normally doesn't look that bad on like um whenever we're tuning into Dynamite. So like honestly, I think it's literally the weight belt. Because when you took it off, it looks better. Yeah, I think it probably is the weight belt that doesn't like, help. But to be honest, he probably did that just to get heat. Yeah, I think so. Um, Obviously, Jericho locks in the line tamer. And with having done all that work on the leg, Tanahashi taps. And Jericho gets a completely clean victory. Which I think was the right decision. 
Um, really? Obviously, well, yeah, I don't want Tanahashi going anywhere near the AEW Championship, but that's by the by. Um, I thought this was eight stars. I thought this was the best we've seen Jericho since Wrestle Kingdom 13. Um, yeah, eight stars. I'd probably be inclined to agree with you, actually. Just, I'm still, it's the Jericho New Japan match, and I'm sick of it, quite frankly. Yeah, I'd, I'd be I, surprised. I get, I get, I get there's like, I get there's like, um, there's little things, but like, the little things this time didn't carry it for me. No, I'd, Jericho will be back in New Japan. Which and is a shame. How many matches he has, that's up for debate. I mean, good as Jericho is. He's not, I for me, I can't see him having a good match against Dakota Ibushi. No, I can't see him. Like, honestly, his best opponent would probably be Switchblade. Maybe Kenta. I think a much as I love Jay White, and you know how much I love Jay White. And I, this is me saying this, I think a Jericho versus Switchblade match could be very, very boring. Well, I think Jericho's nowhere near on the level of Jay White nowadays in terms of, like, picking apart. Well, no, of course not. He's 50. Yeah, but, like, in terms of, like, ring psychology, he should be better. <sighs> yeah, we'll see. I, I think he'll be back for one more match. They're not going to have a man like Jericho leave on a win, are they? So it'll be interesting to see who they choose as that. I think he's probably got one more <laughs> match in him. I think it'll be interesting to see who they have. Whether it's a rematch with Tanahashi, I wouldn't be massively opposed to that. Um, having a rematch in Tanahashi, getting the victory, um, and sort of dispelling Jericho from the company, and you know that being it for Jericho. Um, I don't think he's got many more matches. In I him, want to him to just honest. fuck off the AEW already. Yeah, I'm, like I'm, I'm not being fun. The shine in in terms of New Japan, the shine has been off Jericho since about Wrestle Kingdom last year. Yeah, I agree. I think Naito winning the belt off Jericho should have been the end. Yeah, exactly. I mean, suddenly he's just like, oh, I'm going to go after Okada because, like, apparently we couldn't think of anything fucking better for Dominion. No. Speaking of Okada, Chris. <laughs> Speaking of Okada, because my segues are that fucking good. We move on to the IWGP and... Sorry, IWGP Heavyweight and IWGP Intercontinental Double Championship match with Tetsuya Naito defeating, finally, Kazuchika Okada, the champion, at 35 minutes and 37 seconds with Destino. Now, very, qu very quickly, I know you wanted to go first, but like, can we disagree match of a weekend? Mate, honestly, <laughs> this is where my little bit of a, my gushing comes off. Now, oh my. Oh yes, Chris Salin. Um, in all <laughs> no, seriousness, in all seriousness, this is one of the if not the greatest match I have ever seen. And there are there are a multitude of reasons as to why that is. In Ring, the story was phenomenal, okay? In Ring, the story built at a beautiful pace, but it had something that the um, Okada versus Ibushi match didn't have, and that is long-term storytelling. And this story was told perfectly, going all the way back to Wrestle Kingdom 8, Tetsuya Naito is against Okada. He's won the G1 Climax. Okada is the heavyweight champion. Naito has his heavyweight championship match bumped down the card at Wrestle Kingdom. He doesn't get to fight in the main event. 
He does everything he can to beat Okada, but instead he goes to the top for a Stardust Press, doesn't hit it, and loses in the Tokyo Dome against Okada. We then get a replication of that at Wrestle Kingdom 12, where Tetsuya Naito, having won the G1 Climax again, goes against Kazuchika Okada, and yet again, he can't get it done. In fact, he falls at the same hurdle. He goes for a Destino, hits the Destino, then instead of pinning or going for a second Destino, goes for that Stardust Press, and again, cannot get it done, because Okada ducks or gets out of the way of it, goes for the Rainmaker, Naito loses, Okada retains. The entire wrestling world was stunned because they were convinced that Naito, at the height of his power, at the height of his popularity, would win. Having come from where he was, where he was physically being bumped down the card due to his lack of popularity, to where he was at this point, and he still couldn't get the job done. And he has built and built and built and built up to Wrestle Kingdom 14. That last opportunity, not only to defeat Okada, but to do something unparalleled that has never been done in New Japan. And it had to be Okada. It couldn't be Ibushi in the final with him. It couldn't be Switchblade. He needed not only to win the championship, to prove to everyone that he can do it, but he needed to get redemption over Okada, having lost twice to Kazuchika Okada. And he does it in a match that had me physically on my feet at three or four moments, laughing at times that Naito kicks out of Rainmakers, that I at one point shouted, oh my God, not again, when they went for the same spot. There were so many callbacks to their Wrestle Kingdom 12 match, even their Wrestle Kingdom 8 match. And when Naito goes to the top to hit that Stardust Press, I was genuinely like, no, he's got to hit it. He's got it. And he does hit it. Getting rid of that demon, goes for the Destino and pins it to an astronomical pop. I'm sorry, but this match has got that long-term storyline that just makes everything better. And it's just one of those storylines that you can't beat. The in-ring was phenomenal. Okada was immense in this match. Naito had just... He was on a different level in this match. He was a man who needed to win. He was present. He knew what he had to do. There was no bullshit as he came to the ring. There was no taking an hour and a half to take his suit off. He came down to the ring. He got his suit off. He knew what he had to do. He was a focused Naito, and that was because of all the bullshit that led up to this moment. And I'm sorry. It was, for me, perfect. You done? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with you. You kind of skipped a few things I want to mention. For example, Naito became a dick after um, making LIJ, where like he'd go after Tanner. And like when, well, most people don't really remember because it's uh, before a lot of people started to watch. Tanahashi going into Wrestle Kingdom 11 was floating around the idea of another vote to get Okada and Omega bumped. And then, like, New Japan management, if, if I remember this correctly, New Japan management was basically like, okay, so, like, if everyone here agrees, then sure. And then Naito didn't agree, because keeping Tanahashi out of that spot meant more to him than being in that spot at that point in time. And then, like, over that year, it's like, oh, shit, I can actually do this. And then, like, oh, my fucking heart was in my mouth when he lost two years ago. 
Like, I don't know how... Like, it seemed like such a bad decision at the time. And to be fair, it has led to some pretty stale booking in the last year. But at the same time, Jesus, Jesus wept. To have Naito effectively in the lowest point of his career heading into power struggle. That's like going this year, he's after his feud with Ibushi, he was effectively lost in the wilderness. Especially going into the G1 where he lost the Toro fucking Yano. <laughs> it was, well, yeah, well, yeah, but Yano beats everyone. Um, he, at, at yeah, one point, he was winning the block. He was, he, like, like at the fucking halfway stage, he was winning the block. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> yeah, I don't feel like we'd be gushing about this Dude, match if it I was, was, I was Yano. I was, I was swimming in New Japan Cup, and Yano managed to beat Okada. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Just bizarre. Um, but also, <laughs> this was a redemption story, but also, don't forget that Naito, who... Has had this terrible year. He got, you know, he was pipped to the post at the very, very last moment by Jay White to lose the block final in the G1. Again, per, you know, sort of labeling him as, you know, sorry, Goto, but the Goto of the heavyweight division. Um, you know, the not Goto of the, of the IC division. Yeah, exactly. Not being able to get the job done on the big stage. And you could see it was taking its toll on Naito. Naito's not a young man. He's, I think he's early 40s, Naito. I know, he's he's younger than Ibushi. Shut up. He is. No, he's not. Yeah, he is. Hang on, I'm pulling this up right now. Okay. Naito is 37. Okay. And Ibushi is... I hate the first one that comes up with me. Google Ibushi is Ibushi AEW. Fuck off. Yeah, Ibushi's also 37, but um, Ibushi was born in... May and Naito was born. Okay, so Naito's not younger than Ibushi, but they're the same. <laughs> but, but, but like they're separated by like a month. But he's not younger. <laughs> like I was a month out. Okay, you, you were wrong. <laughs> Don't give a shit if you were a month off. You were wrong. I'm, I'm wrong a lot, Rob. You're the fucking stats guy. I, I'm here for I'm here for the emotion. Oh, Okada. I mean, it's all very well gushing about Naito in this match, and by God, we should do. Okada was brilliant here. Okada knew his part that he had to play. He was playing the spoiler, and constantly he was encouraging Naito to be better, basically expecting much more, especially in that first part of the match where he was taunting Naito. And don't forget, in that callback, I believe at Power Struggle, when all four of them were were standing there, and Okada mentioned the vote... And it was, oh my god. And then don't forget at the end of Wrestle Kingdom 12, when Okada turns to Naito and says, how was the main event? Oh, what a dick. What a dick. And then all of this was brought back. And it's just, it's long-term storytelling at its absolute best. And you have to say, Chris Charlton put it over amazingly. Like, absolutely amazingly. And like it's just when um, Naito went up for the side of the press. And Chris Shouten's like, oh, don't get cute, sunshine. It's like... It was... Yeah. It's like, if you're into, like, pure fucking work rate or whatever, you're probably going to see this as, like, you run of the world mill. Because, like, quite frankly, in terms of, like, pure content, this is no different, really, from the Wrestle Kingdom 12 match. But at the same time, the, the emotion going into it was a lot more. But, it's, it's like, this is the first time I felt that Naito losing two years ago was a good idea. There was a moment, Chris, and it's going to take a really, really weird moment to pick out. There was a moment where um, 
Okada is going for the tombstone. And it's late on in the match. And, you know, there are times in, you know, in wrestling in general where things are too over-choreographed over and things can seem very, very smooth. And, you know, the reversals of the tombstone are quite easy and they sometimes look quite flashy. However, here, Naito is physically kicking his legs desperately, desperately trying to get out of it. It was almost like he was saying to himself, no, this is not the way it's going down. I will fight with absolutely everything I fucking have to stop this happening again. And it was just brilliant. And then he follows it up by spitting in his face. Just that one more time, that one act of, do you know what? I'm still here, you fucking prick. And then, like, the Northern Lights bomb. Holy shit. Oh, my God. Like, I did not see... Like, I know he's pulled it out on, like, Tai Chi, but I did not see him pulling it out again. Like, I never see it as, like, something he's hit all the time, but he's starting to doing it, and he does it so well. Like, it's a proper Sasaki-esque Northern Lights bomb. And then, like, the last Destino put the emphasis... Like, it's early in this match when he came down bad on a Destino. Yeah. That was just beautiful. And then that fucking top rope poison runner. Oh, my God. Yes, absolutely. Fucking... Never do that again. I'm not. I'm not gonna lie, Chris. This is the. <laughs> it is one of my top three matches ever. Well, I need to rewatch it a couple more times to know where it sits, but it's quite high for me. I, I cannot pick any problems with this match. I mean, to be. <laughs> Naito had to find another gear that I didn't even know he was capable of in this match, and it was. You could almost see the moment that Okada realized that he was in trouble that he hadn't got what it took. He knew that basically the force of Naito, that sort of energy and adrenaline that Naito had at this point was too much for him and he didn't have enough left. And it was great. That Destino, that pinfall, that pop were incredible. And then that final moment where once he's finally won and Okada is led from the ring and Naito looks at Okada and says, the main event was great. And then he says, rather than be a complete dick, he goes, let's do it again sometime. And my favorite moment of all both nights is Okada throwing up the LIJ fist to him. What a fucking tie-off. And then Verroco almost happened. They still couldn't let him have the line. <laughs> What's it, could they? They still couldn't Verroco, let him have the roll Verroco, call. Verroco started, like, and LAJ amp out there. I'm like, this is weird. I mean, Kent is suddenly there. I'm like, whoa, what? Kenta slides in, absolutely like, destroys him. It, it was it was so seamless, but I honestly thought a fan had jumped the ring. It was brilliantly done, and then Kenta sits on him, like he did with um, Shibata. Shibata holds up both belts and smiles as he is heckled to fuck with booze. Oh, fuck Kenta! Jesus, and he is physically laughing, and I'm sorry. What a fucking heel. What a heel. Like, in that moment, I'd never hated anyone more than I hated cancer. I couldn't believe it. I laughed out loud. I just laughed. But honestly, what a fucking show. What a fucking two nights. The correct <laughs> results. You had me in, just embroiled in all these stories, but that Naito storyline, yes, you can complain as much as you want about the build-up, of, you know, 
all of the double dash. I know that it was flawed. For example, you know, you've got Jay White was the IC champion, Coach Ribushi who won the G1, Okada who's the heavyweight champion, and Naito who beat Taichi. You know, which one of those is the odd one out? That's that's fine. Yeah, um, it's, that would be um, the guy who won the G1 because beating Taichi is actually quite hard. <laughs> well, we'll see after, uh, after New Year Dash, but do you see what I mean? It wasn't yeah. the greatest build-up. And yes, the idea was brilliant, the execution a little bit off, but you cannot argue with the results. And I will fight to the grave that this is probably my favourite match ever. Just because of the long... I mean, Omega and Okada, outstanding matches, flawless matches, incredible wrestling matches. But the long storytelling of this match and this entire angle... For me, that's everything in wrestling. I'll tell you about the year-end awards if it's my favourite. Oh, it'll be mine. Trust me. I know, but like a year-end award, like it's it's too early to know how much I love this match, and I do love this match. It's a ten, obviously, best favourite match of a weekend. But like, I I need more time to consider whether it's my favourite of all time. But it is fucking up there. And then Wait, be- we're in the home, go on. We're in the home stretch now because we are it's dash now. We are. And can like can we please can we please just do um new beginning another time because Jesus Christ we've been here a while. <laughs> I tell you what, ladies and gentlemen, we will do. We will preview. We'll do. We'll talk about it later. That, but because like then we can also talk about the US shows, which have some interesting matches. So let's let's just do dash and get the fuck out of here. <laughs> it's been a long show. I haven't even eaten yet. Um. Okay. So we start. Opening- with the Liger ceremony. Oh my god. This was, and I have absolutely no shame in this, I wept like a small child. I, I wept, but like I weep over, like I sometimes it's hard just to not cry. So. Wow. Um, <laughs> fucking hell. Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ. I like how I do make jokes like this just enough for you to be caught off guard. Yeah, I just didn't expect that. Um, we had. Liger come out in his gear, which I thought was nice. Um, they did mention on commentary about how they wanted, you know, well, what do you think about going off in a suit? And Liger felt a bit weird about going out in his in his gear. But, you know, then he said, well, okay, let's go. And then Kevin Kelly and Chris Charm brought up the fact that um, Liger had wanted the ceremony to go on first, not last, because he wanted the show to be dominated by the wrestling and not by him, proving that he is just the fucking best because he's Obviously. amazing. Every time he comes to the UK, he puts someone over. Incredible. Like, but, like um, he put Cal Fletcher over, which, like, I'm not being funny. Cal fucking Fletcher. I know. Anyway, um, but yeah, my favourite part of this was when, was actually not, because I, I couldn't really get fully into it, because I was fully expecting Kenta to come and fuck it up. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? Oh, my God. But, um... No, um, when Okada, like, Okada was the most human Okada's ever looked, he, when he took a selfie... Honestly, it was... It was... And what's the funniest part of the selfie? Ishii isn't in it. Well, I was going to say this. Obviously, we have a point where people come into the ring, pay their tributes to um, to Liger, give him flowers. Um, Tanahashi is barely holding it together when he gives him the flowers, then openly weeps uh, for the entire of the ceremony, which it was, it, was, it was heartbreaking to watch. And then Chaos come out, everyone in Chaos, with the exception of Ishii. Why? <laughs> Where were you, Ishii? Honestly, where the fuck 
Where the fuck was Isha? Was I just he, like, love the idea what? of him being on the toilet and someone banging on the stall door going, Isha, we need to go. And he's like, fuck, there's no toilet paper. Shit. I don't, I don't. Oh, God. I don't have time to wash my hands. I don't want to give Liger <laughs> fucking salmonella on last night. I'm sorry. Oh, poor, poor, poor. He made up for it later in the night, to be fair. He did. But, um, he did. Yeah, and then, like, you know what's funny? Like, they kept, Will Ospreay, during the photo opportunity, kept standing in the wrong place. <laughs> you could hear him, because the commentary team were brilliant here. They they did that brilliant thing where they just took a back seat, and you could hear everything, yeah. and it, it was great. And then, like, if, if something of historical significance came up, Charlton would quickly chime in and then chime back out. And you know what? I mean, we had um, offerings from Harold May, who burst into tears. Uh, we had... <laughs> Um, uh, Sugabayashi gave his flowers and then Liger's family, his son and his wife came out and that was it, I'm gone by this point because his son was in floods his wife was great um, um, and then Inoki I thought he was. I genuinely thought Inoki was dead I thought he was dead as well, that really confused me because I was like, what uh, the fuck uh, no literally I was like, is that his son like is that fucking John Inoki or whatever but no it's fucking, I didn't know he was still my man just refuses to put someone over, including life. And just incredible, incredible. And then we cut back to Liger, who does a very brief, very selfless speech, which Chris Charlton, bless him, tries his best to translate, but he's gone at this point. He's gone. Uh, Gino Gambino has gone at this point. Kevin Kelly's doing his best to hold it together, and it just makes things so much more realistic, so much more palpable and it makes you so much more invested i mean that side of his child weeping then you've got tana they cut to tanahashi and he's weeping uh, there was someone from chaos as well i can't remember who it was but they were in tears um and eventually the ceremony concluded with everyone getting in the ring and sort of singing like his theme song which is great because even <laughs> the commentary team were like oh shit i don't know the words oh my god i know no, the Char tune no charlton was like i know the words but i don't want to ruin our viewers ears charlton's great um and then they all um, threw him up in the air and that was it and it was it was a highlight without a shadow of a doubt of this show and i actively 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 encourage you to go and watch it it was I mean, it was amazing like, don't, don't get us wrong it's fucking long it's half an hour but like it's worth it oh god yeah it, it is long it's, like if you remotely care about like, wrestling history it's worth it it was Cause, like it's so very rarely that someone goes out still like healthy <laughs> I mean, if let's be perfectly honest, and I, I, I hate to compare this to the WWE, I hate it, but let's be honest, if Jushin Thunder Liger had retired in the WWE, he'd have been made to sit on a stool and give a speech on Miz fucking TV. Yeah, he'd be back two weeks later as the GM. Yeah, exactly, and I'm sorry, this was perfect. This was amazing, and it's everything he deserved. It's like, we, we say that Liger's definitely going to be on commentary for the rest of his life. Well, I hope so. I hope so. D to, to be fair, I do hope Kenta attacks him at some point just for the heat. It wouldn't surprise me. It would <laughs> like, not surprise me. I just want Kenta to be the guy who keeps attacking the retired people. Right. Like Antonio Inoki comes out for like the anniversary and <laughs> boom, there's Kenta. Yeah. Why are you still here, Inoki? <laughs> Die already, and then Kenta kills him. Um, wow, anyway, dark. so the Young Lion match. I'm literally just going um, to go through these matches, Chris, and yeah, we'll talk okay. about them. Okay. So we've got Fredericks, so, Clark, Connors, and Coughlin defeating Tohanara, Yotsuji, and Yuya Emera. What do you think? It was probably the best Young Lion match of the weekend. Um, again, the LA Dojo guys, especially in this match, um, 
car clip. This is the most. Oh, not over. Like the like the most exposure I've seen Coughlin get since the cup, and he's great. They're all great. All the yellow dojo lads are great. Um, and like, because they're not being funny, I can tell them all apart from looking at them. I do not care enough about the normal young lines to bother putting a name to a face. No, I understand that. I understand that they have that personality that you were talking about. No, exactly. Because like they're not. Look at that. Like, look at Shota, Umino, and um, Renarita. They got there um, fairly quickly, but like, as it stands, yeah. And then Oka, who went off to live in the mountains. He did. He did go off to live in the mountains. Ultimately, though, no real relevance to further storylines. I gave it six. It was a really good match, I to g- be fair. I gave it six. I gave it six. What? Really good opening. Um, we then had a non-title four-way junior tag team match with the Suzuki-gun team of Despi and Kanemaru defeating... Uh, the champions Rapongi 3K, um, <laughs> LIJ team of Hiromu and Bushi, and the Bullet Club team of Phantasmo and Taiji Shimori with uh, Rapongi 3K taking the pinfall. So we are getting the rematch of the Super Junior Tag League in Rapongi 3K versus Suzuki Gun for the titles at New Beginning. Um, what do you think of be- this? It'll be solid. It'll be fine. We've seen it a lot. Um, uh, honestly, I ex- halfway expected Bushi and Hiromu to get it just because we haven't seen them team in a while. Yeah, it was. It was. I don't know. I I I don't want to see it again. But I'm not going to complain because, like you say, it's it's always a good match. I gave it six again. I thought it was okay. I thought it was really nice that Bushi had that tribute to Liger in his mask on both sets of his mask, and of course, um, Hiromu had thank you and Liger on his wrist tape as well, so I thought that was quite a nice thing, because obviously they weren't going to have anyone from the heel or tweener factions going out to celebrate with Liger, so I thought that was good. Yeah. We then had match three with Hiroshi Tanahashi, Kota Ibushi, and the tag team champions Finjuice, defeating the Bullet Club team of G.O.D., Bad Luck Farley, Chase Owens, with Jardo. Um, it was it was an alright match. Um, the match is pointless, but what it sets up is great. Yeah, I gave it a four, to be perfectly honest, because it... I, I gave it a five. Well, but Fale looked less immobile. Okay. It really, I to be honest, I don't really care enough to argue with you about this match. But um, but what it's set up, yes, please. It's very intriguing. Um, it seems yeah. that the new direction of Hiroshi, and Tanaha- Hiroshi Tanahashi and Kota Ibushi, sorry, is that they are going to be entering the tag team division. Now, not only is that something that people have been clamoring for, even if it was with Tanahashi and Okada to start off with. Um, but also, how much relevance does this bring to the tag team division? Fucking no, hell. Because like, if you look at Oscillation with Show, they're literally just doing what we said to do, like put actual legitimate stars as tag teams, and then like if you don't want them to be in the tag team division forever, they don't have to be. Yeah, I mean, if we... Um, the old Japan model, essentially. Absolutely, absolutely. You put your big single stars in tag teams, and that's how you build momentum into championship Ta- challenges. Because Tana and Ibushi have no better rivalry to do right now. Like, there's no natural program for them to slip into. So why the fuck not? Exactly. Now, again, we'll preview New Beginning at the start of the next show. Um, but it's not Tanahashi and Ibushi versus Finjuice for the tag titles. Not as far as I can see. Anyway. I did. I did notice that. And maybe we're saving it for um, 
What's the next big one? Is it Sakura? Uh, Sakura Genesis, yeah. Um, yeah. April, or is it? No, end of May, I think. End of March, 31st of March, I think. Fucking long. That's so long. That's so far away. Holy shit. Anyway, yeah, anyway, continue. Um, it's, the next match was amazing. <laughs> the next match was an absolute banger. It was a tag team match, and this got a cheer when it was announced, by the way. Um, yeah, it did. It was LIJ Team Evil and Shingy. It- <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, I'm Shingy. so tired. Evil and Shingo. It's because I was going to say Shingo Takagi, but I couldn't get it out. Evil <laughs> and Shingo um, defeating the Chaos team, the never open weight champion Hiroki Goto, and Tommy Hiroishi, who clearly found toilet paper and was ready to come out for the match. Um, holy Maybe that's why he lost, because his um, ass was a little bit uncomfortable. Maybe. But, um, oh quickly, my um, god. I, I, before we get into this match, I found out this week Evil is um, engaged to Io Shirai, which made more sense than I expected it to. I can see that. Though I have heard as well, uh, if you are to believe the rumour mill, that Io and Kyrie are on the way back to stardom. It's, it's not that they're on the way back. It's that there's essentially a bidding war about to start. And to be honest, Charlotte Flair basically fucking abused poor Kyrie at TLC, didn't she? Yeah, I, I made a point of like, not watching that show. No, I haven't seen... I, but like I've watched like the Botchamania. And, like... <laughs> Shut Charlotte is smart enough to know that Kyrie's injured. Like, when, I'm not being funny. When someone like Kyrie, can, you can't get them up for a power bomb. Like, but she's not someone who's going to sandbag you, is she? No. And so, like, you could tell she was injured. No, exactly. So, like, the bumps Charlotte was forcing that poor girl to take is actually, like, honestly, if I was running that company, I'd fucking reprimand her. That's disgusting. This match, though, but was great. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my god, this is what I want the tag division to be. I, I, again, I essentially want this tag division to be all Japan's. This was fucking lunacy, big, wasn't it? Yeah, I want big men running into each other. That's, I'm a very simple man, Rob. This it's all like why it's like why I like Godzilla movies. It's like a big things running into each other. Yes, Chris is happy. It's literally it's everything I love about Japanese wrestling. You've got Shingo absolutely lariating the shit out of everyone. Goto, again, looked like a badass. He did not back down at any point. And then you've got Ishii and Evil, who at no point disappoint with anything they do. It was... The part of this match is when everyone got lariat, a lariat from someone else. It was just an all-out horse battle. No, exactly. It was like the um, Violent Giants tag match from the Old Japan show. It was. That's exactly what it was like. And Except it didn't have a weird ending. No, it didn't. It had a very definitive ending with Shingo pinning Goto after hitting the last of the dragon, which which, I'm fine with. which sets up Shingo, who took to the microphone after, reminding Goto they were now one and one in singles, and says, I want a rubber match for your never open weight championship. Looks well, it has. It has been announced. It is the main event of one of the Sapporo shows. Oh my god, I am all up for that. Yeah, because that match at um destruction was amazing. It was. It has also set up Ishii versus Evil again in a special singles which, match. Which is always fun, but like, can we please do something that's not a special singles match? I mean, I'll say that. But, but that's definitely going to be who Goto challenges next, or te- like whoever wins is going to challenge um, the never-open-weight champion props. So like, I'm, I'm okay with all of Like Honestly, coming out of this, with the exception of the um, junior tag stuff, and to be honest, if your biggest problem is the junior tag, then you're fine. Exactly. I gave this a nine. I thought it was sensational. I also, I thing is, I don't think it's better than the um, Violent Giants match. I think it's on par. 
But then again, I gave the Valiant Giants match a nine. So yeah, I'll go in that. I was just going to say, okay, anyway. <laughs> so. Um, I'm a man of mystery. The next match, uh, the Chaos Team oh, of. Go on. The fucking Robbie Eagles was abused. Oh, we will get into that. The Chaos Team of Kazuchika Okada, Will Ospreay, Robbie Eagles, and Yoshihashi defeated the Suzuki Gun Team of Minoru Suzuki, uh, Zack Sabre Jr., Lance Arch, and Taichi via DQ. This was basically. Um, a scene out of Hostel, um, where <laughs> Robbie Eagles. I've not seen that. Um, I haven't. I'm just assuming. Um, no, it's <laughs> Black yeah. Um, basically, Robbie Eagles was thrown from pillar to post and was used as a punching bag by everyone on the Suzuki Gun team. He was thrown around like Justin Bieber would be in prison. Like, holy shit! Oh my god! I mean, <laughs> there was one point where he was abused for about five minutes by Suzuki. And then he tagged out, and one of the commentary teams said something about a reprieve, and he tagged in Lance Archer. And you just you saw Robbie Eagles' face as though to go, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> so he got up, and Lance Archer's like, come on then, hit me. And he puts his hands behind his back as well, which makes it even worse. Oh, my God. It was brilliant. And Poor Eagles. Yeah. Very, very poor Eagles. Poor Eagles. Um, like, honestly, if you're going to har- harass someone, make it Yoshihashi. Nobody likes him. Um, I am a fan of his new gear, though. Yeah, but like fucking, I like so many people's gears who are shit. Kelly Klein has the actually no, Kelly Klein has shit gear. She looks like she's wearing a fucking nappy. But um, yeah. Um, I liked how at the start, like, it's very clear what the feuds are going forward. Yes. Like with um the SJ staring down Osprey and was it, it was Okada staring down Archer? Am I right? No, no Taichi. Taichi, yeah. Taichi was, was staring down Okada. He stepped up to Okada and did not back down. Yeah, because Taichi probably is like, yeah, I could take you, you bitch. Because, you know, Taichi is secretly the most destructive member of Suzuki Gun. But, um... And he is. Remember that fucking chair shot? Brutal. Anyway, um... I'm, I'm happy with everything set up. And then, like, with the exception of the abuse of Robbie Eagles, the match itself isn't worth talking about. Like, Osprey didn't even... Osprey and CSJ had a fun exchange. And, like, honestly, if Osprey is injured, like, pe- like people are saying, ZSJ um, is a perfect person to work. Well... Because you don't really need to bump in a ZSJ match, do you? Well, apparently, um, Osprey was a <laughs> doubt for this match because he's broken part of his foot. Which oh, he, for fuck's sake, Osprey, just stop. Which he broke or injured... Part way through the match with Takahashi. Fucking where? Stop, Osprey. I know, but where? Because at no point does he miss a step. He's just insane. Um, I mean, I'll give it. I'll give it a six. It's it's. I give it a six because like there's, there's there's a weird sick pleasure. Yeah. In watching Robbie Eagles be um and then like Taichi DQing like I think that's the best way for Taichi to get heat and it's great. And Taichi's going to be Okada. Fight me. I genuinely think that Taichi versus Okada, if, because let's face it, the last Taichi outing in uh, Sapporo was fucking dreadful. Right, but okay, we don't have a Zuka. No, anyway. true. That's true. Well, we sort of do. He used the iron glove. Um, the only thing I have slight concerns about is that this is main eventing one of the Sapporo shows. It's an Okada. The thing is, Okada needs to be the main event to draw in some places. Which like, is fair all... enough. Which is fair and, like, enough. And they often put people against, like, as much love Taichi, New Japan see him as a B player. So, like, in, not, in non-Tokyo, non-Osaka shows, they will often put 
a big star against a B star. Yeah, and I don't, I don't have a problem with that. I think it will be a great match. Um, afterwards, like whatever you think about used to think about Tai Chi, he's gotten so much better this year. Oh god, he has, and he continues to be down of a card. And then John Moxley comes down, him and Suzuki have an exchange, setting up that officially for the IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship which has been set up for, I can't remember which one, either. It's Sapporo 2, I think. Which, Jesus Christ, that all this this tour is stacked. And again, we'll yeah. preview it at the start I, of our I next show. Not, like when you look at how New Beginning was last year, where like it could have been good and then just sort of it wasn't good. Like this year, it's like the under-overs on like ratings is going to be insane. Anyway, main event time, where like the only real thing worth talking about is the heat. <laughs> Holy shit. Oh my god. LIJ team. Tetsuya Naito and Sonada defeating the Bullet Club team of Jay White and Kenta. <laughs> like, oh my For god. King like, I do hell. not remember a single thing of this match. I just remember the boo. I've, ne- I've been so long since I've heard boos that loud. I am going to give it a six. And the reason I'm going to give it a six is because, to me, Naito carried himself like a champion during this. Just... He did not. He didn't do ridiculous stuff during his entrance. He went straight for Kenta without even getting changed. Just went fucking yeah. ballistic for Kenta. The booze for Kenta. Holy shit! As soon as this music hit, it's like, oh my god, this is like a fucking New York crowd, not a Tokyo crowd. Jesus. Um, like, but, like honestly, it's, I maybe expect it was Osaka or something, but it's not even Osaka. It's Tokyo. No, it was. It was. Oh my god, I, I can't believe how much heat he's getting, which is just, it's great, he's such a natural it's, heel. It's beautiful, honestly, if Garth watched this, he'd fall in love. He would. Um, again, it was it was mainly a match to sell the angle, which um, Sonata managed to get the pinfall over Jay White. The, it, Jay White and Kenta instantly get their win back by smashing up LIJ for a bit. Jay White takes the microphone and basically says, me and Kenta are the biggest things. Jay White... Um, sort of kneels on Sonada's head and says, you've reminded me that I need to put you back in your place. So that set that up. as That's going to be great. That is going to be a fucking yeah, great they're match. they're two very cold, calculated wrestlers. They are. And I think so they like, can have very like good Sonata, chemistry. So it's like Sonada and Suzuki. So, perfect. And, um... Because, honestly, Jay White is someone... Sonada needs, Sonata needs someone to draw emotion out of him. Because, like, with the exception of his Okada matches, for the most part, he's a bit of an emotionless robot. No, I like, agree. Because he, because he's so na- it's, it's, again, as weird as it is to say, because Sonata is so good, it's the Randy Orton effect where like he's just so naturally good that you can't connect with him a lot of the time. Yeah, I agree. And then obviously, finally, it sets up Kenta and Naito for the eight. The, the heat. Now he has actually said Naito has come out in an interview and said that he doesn't want to defend both titles together. Um, this will be basically a one-off. The next time someone steps up, they can choose the ma- they can choose the belt. Same thing happened when Ring of Honor did it, actually. So, I'm I'm fine with that. I'm, I'm fine actually, with that as well. Because like some people just have an affinity for the IC title, so like some of those people will step up. Oh, like honestly, with a secondary title on Naito, it could create interesting dichotomy where he goes, "Okay, why don't want someone from Lij?" It's like, sort of like what Priestley did when she was champion. It's like, why doesn't someone from Lij challenge me? So that way we can have two belts and two people in Lij. It'll be nice to see if Sonada does that, and that's where this angle is going. But we'll see, ladies and gentlemen. I'm so tired. <laughs> we have now covered 
two of the greatest nights of wrestling, I think, ever. And then New Year Dash, which set up all these angles for what will be an absolutely outstanding New Beginning tour. In the next show, which we will do some behind-the-scenes talking, whether it is next week on the 15th or whether it's the week after, just before those shows, we'll let you know via Twitter. But we'll preview the New Beginning in the USA tours and these as well. The next two in, like, no particular order, like, we don't know what order we're in yet, but it would be um, the previews and then also a Liga special, which Garth is joining us for. Yes, we will be watching in, mem- in not in memoriam, he hasn't died. Enter <laughs> 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 hasn't got to him yet. <laughs> in respect of, obviously, Liga and his retirement and everything he's done, we're going to watch three or four. We haven't decided yet, three. probably four. No, to be fair, because I was like, why don't we all just pick one? He's like, nah, I can't be bothered. Let's just do before. I'm like, so it's um, Keishan Liger versus Muta, Pillman versus Liger at Super Bro, um, Stano versus um, Liger, and um, the El Samurai versus Liger. So we'll be reviewing all of those matches. And of course, before that, we will, well, whether we do them as two separate shows, I don't know. We'll we'll sort something out and we'll uh, let you know via Twitter. Sunday. It's takeover on Sunday. This Sunday? Yeah. Takeover's this Sunday, yeah. I'm so out of touch with American wrestling. Um, <laughs> no, I mean UK Takeover. One we're going oh, to. sorry. I thought you meant Takeover <laughs> Tampa. I was like, I'm pretty sure it's not. No, the UK Takeover that we have tickets for, Rob. Oh, yes, we do. We shall be coming to you live from uh, Black Bull at some point. Uh, we'll be doing some podcasting there and releasing that. If, <laughs> if, if you fucking... Get the mo- I'm going to bring my iPad just so we have a fucking shit backup. Yes, just in case it doesn't work like it didn't last time. Um, in the meantime, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in to what I know has been a ridiculously long podcast. We do really appreciate you listening in. And thank you as well, I did mean to say this before, for making our Wrestle Kingdom preview our most downloaded episode ever. So oh, thank you really? very much. Oh, I'll ask, actually, I better ask that off screen. <laughs> but thank you very much. We do appreciate the support that you've given us. Um, we'll be back again, like I say, with the new beginning preview. Um, if you want to talk to us in the meantime, then you can talk to us on Twitter at, at @younglioncast. You can find me at, at @realrobgoodwin. Gris, where can they find you? I mean, you can find me at No Goto, but like, quite frankly, I, d- I just use the. Um, Podmania one now because Rob sort of abandoned that for the Young Lion one so like Podmania is just my Twitter account yeah as Podmania is basically Chris's uh, Chris's Twitter yeah, so baby like, now so, if, so like if you want Anarcho Revolution and um, homoeroticism come come on come on um, you can also find us on www.podmania.co.uk and you can also find us we have now been added to a website called Purogate so check out that po- that page as well for loads of reviews on Stardom and um, All Japan and Noah and all sorts. You got me really excited when you said Stardom. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you so much for listening, guys, and we'll talk to you guys again soon. Bye.